Watch the update required podcast live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. PST on YouTube. What's up, everybody? We're going to shit on YouTube streaming for a second here. Sorry, YouTube. Like, I know we're on your platform and we want you to promote us. But, like, why is streaming so hard on your fucking platform? Like, Twitch is, we were just talking, like, it's, it is literally seamless on Twitch. You log in. You log into your Twitch once and then you get your, yeah, you, your you linked key. that shit to obs the one time right yeah. like it was like it was the thing i did i watched a 10 minute harris heller video or some shit and was like oh this is all quite simple and then from that day forth it was just you like you were like i feel like streaming and you just launched obs and we're like let's go yeah <laughs> i just click the stream now button and like all your shit was set yeah and like i don't know i've watched three or four tutorial videos now on how to stream on YouTube after quitting Twitch uh, <laughs> for other reasons, which we can also discuss. Cause I'll shit on every platform. That's fine. Um, but yeah, like your boy's still not streaming on YouTube because like, honestly, it's just, you guys have made it kind of a, a harebrained system. Yeah. It just like, seems. Oh, like you like it's some carny shit. Yeah. Like you set up, <laughs> you gotta like set up the stream first. Like if you're making a YouTube video and you gotta make a title and you gotta put all the tags and all that trash. And then you gotta make a thumbnail for it. And then like, that's okay. But then like, it doesn't auto default to like a proper stream key. Like there's this default stream key, which you got to ignore. You got to make your own and make sure that it's 1080p 60. And like, you have to have a certain bit rate. And there's just like, it is Everybody, can you just appreciate the show that we put on for you? Because it is a lot. It is a lot to just, like, get this fucking shit going. Um, how the hell is everybody? Thank you for coming hanging out. We are jacked and tan. Um, it has been half of a fortnight since uh, we last seen you. <laughs> <laughs> One half of a fortnight. We were talking about that before the stream, that I lament the fact that Fortnite is in the common vernacular as a video game, because I remember talking as a youth and being like, man, we need to bring Fortnite back. It's been a fortnight. Yeah. And then I think at some point, some linguist was like, wait a second. Fortnite, two syllables, two weeks, two <laughs> syllables. Like, you're not even abbreviating it. Why the hell don't you just say two weeks? Fucking linguist. But fuck that linguist because although he was entirely right he killed the vibe <laughs> saying Fortnite was a vibe all right like yeah. it just it made us sound cooler it so i think we need to bring it back energy everybody. that's right yeah <laughs> let's bring back that energy that Fortnite energy and i'm not talking about hitting snipes or you know dropping into chonkers speedway i'm talking about hey it's been a fortnight since i lost seen you my <laughs> fellow citizen of the great republic i don't know some fucking ridiculous overbearing shit how are you guys doing how's war doing good to see you in the yeah chonker speedway for those that don't know is a map location in fortnite that i find the name of so funny that my nhl player in world of chell is named chonker speedway nice. uh because yeah like that's just the best name i've ever heard in my life I am a filthy fucking souls snob, so I have no idea what, what's going on. You know what's a word that I seldom get to use but love dropping in whenever I can? Quantify. Ooh, that's a good one. 
That's a good one. You can't even quantify how much I enjoy cells. They're like, I'm going to drop that one at work tomorrow. I'm going to work really hard to find a scenario at work tomorrow where like, it's not obvious that I'm forcing it into conversation. Yeah. Right. Like that's when I'm going to have to stay on my toes, but I'm going to look for an opportunity tomorrow to drop a quantify on someone's lap and just be like, I use words, bitch. Cause that's what that feels like when you use a word like that. Yeah, it feels like you just fucking bitch slapped everyone around you with that word. And you're just like, yeah, that's right, bro. I think that is an update required podcast challenge to all of the viewers. Anyone listening right now, use the word quantify somewhere in your day tomorrow. Bring it to work and just drop it in hard. Like, just like, like, you know, use it heaps in conversations if you can. Uh, yeah, that's heaps good. Go to the bottle Heaps. heaps. Some- yeah, I, I use swell a lot, and people often are like, no one says swell. And I often think of the scene in original Superman with Christopher Reeves where Lois Lane says that to Clark and is like, not a lot of people are comfortable saying swell anymore, Clark. And I'm like, oh, shit. That was like 50 fucking years ago. Like, I guess I am (laughs) extremely outdated for using that word, but I feel exactly the way that Clark Kent did and that I'm like, I don't know. It just always felt kind of natural. It just rolls off the tongue. How you doing? Oh, I'm swell. I don't know. I just I enjoy the way it rolls off my tongue way more than just being like, I'm all right. When did Superman come out? I feel like wasn't it 77? I want to say 79. I want to see 79, but I could be wrong. 78. I owned. Wow. Oh, we were both. We, yeah. we split the fucking difference. Yeah. I owned like a like 16 disc metal box set at one point that cost me like $200 or more that had all the Superman movies up to Superman Returns, including the shitty ones. But it also had like the Richard Donner cut that's hard to find. And it had like a shit ton of like making of stuff. Your boy likes Superman. That's really all I'm saying. I love Your any boy likes making Superman. of for like any movie. Like I don't even care if I didn't really like the movie that much. I'm just like, give me all of that. Like I making of shit is dope. Like I think that was one of the best things about going from VHS to DVD because we didn't get that shit on VHS yeah. ever, right? And then like DVD came along and it was like special features, and you were like, what? And at first it was just like deleted scenes. Or like those things where the director like commentates over the movie, which even as a big movie buff, I find it hard to to sit through those sometimes because like even if they're a really great director, they spend half of it kind of mumbling about nothing. Yeah. Uh, And I'd rather just watch the fucking movie at that point. But then like as soon as we got into like all the making of and like here's how we did the crazy special effects and stuff, I was like, yeah, feed it to me all day. Let's go. It's kind of like a teacher. Like you need to have someone who's really compelling and engaging to keep you interested and if like and it's actually quite like shocking how many directors are fucking dull (laughs) and you're just like wow you're like you made this movie and you are boring as fuck like that is actually super super surprising um have you played anything good this last week j retro you know some of my boys uh and girls you know, that's fine. There's some girls in the crew, too. We are running Damn, girls out there. Uh, and, and it could be other identities. We just don't have them oh, in our yeah, group. Sure. You know, that's fine. We I have was to be not inclusive. laughing at the we thought. We have to be inclusive. Yes. <laughs> um, 
with that being said, we are having a NHL tournament. So I played some games that I lost uh, in the NHL tournament last night, which is about the way the NHL tournament has gone for me so far. And that's fine. I, ex- I expected that going in. There's a lot of people in my friend group that play NHL a lot. Yeah. And as you know, my main addiction is to playing lots of different shit. So I have a hard time getting really good at one game. Like, I think Fortnite's the only game in a really long time that I kind of got to that point with, at least for a while. I haven't played in, like, a few weeks. Um, and other than that, just, like, I, I plowed through As Dusk Falls, and I uh, launched into a second uh, playthrough of it with a buddy. And mm. so we played a bit of that together, and that's been a bit of a blast. And then I've just been dipping into some retro games. I had like a 10 day vacation off and I spent a lot of it just playing like Earthworm Jim and shit like that. <laughs> like I was just like ripping into old Super Nintendo and Genesis games nonstop for the whole vacation. And that was that was a good time. If for you sure. put an SNES in front of me and you put on Super Metroid, I will not put it down until I get the credits of that game. Like I can- I've seen you stream that game yeah. and yeah, you're you're good at Metroid, too. And like I was never never particularly good at metroid and as a kid i think it's one of those games that just for whatever reason like i never got introduced to it and i think when you're really young a lot of the games that you end up playing are because of like your family like your cousins or your older sibling or you have a friend at school that's like oh shit have you not played mega man x like you need to play this and like for whatever reason i just never had that experience of having somebody be like man you need to play Super Metroid when I was young. So my first experience playing Super Metroid, and this is no word of a lie, was on the Super Nintendo Classic when I got it. That Crazy. was the first time I ever played that game. And you know yeah. what? What's wild about that is because back in, it was probably, because the game released in 1994, and I definitely didn't play it when it came out. I probably played it like 95. Um but it was never a game that was on my radar. I was a fucking kid, so I wasn't like like I got a magaz- a gaming magazine every now and then, but I wasn't like subscribed to any of those uh, subscriptions. So like I didn't know what games were coming out. And then it wasn't until I remember I used to go to these family Christmas Eve parties, and one of my uncles was like, "Yo, what games do you play?" And I was like, "Super Mario, Mortal Kombat," and then he was like, "Okay." The adults are down here doing adult stuff. Go upstairs. There's a Super Nintendo. Play this game and let's see how far you get. And I just got 100 percent. And then he was just like, borrow this game. And he's like, and then don't talk to me until you've finished it. And he's like, if you can beat it in under 24 hours of in game time, he was like, he's like, you're, you're a champ. And then I definitely I love did not it. beat it in 24 hours. But if it wasn't for him introducing that game to me, I probably, same as you, probably never would have played it until like way later in life. I always think one of the most formative moments of my entire youth was that when I was about 12 years old, uh, we were just starting the generation of the PS1 and the N64. Yeah. And I went to my parents being like, I want an N64 because we had rented it a couple of times because people used to do that, guys. I think you didn't we only like rent 11. video games. We, we rented consoles probably when it first came out. We were like 11. I think yeah. I was like 12 and they were they were now like in the market. They were mm. the current gen, right? They weren't the new gen. Now they were the current gen and I was still on Super Nintendo. So I had rented the N64 a handful of times and I played Star Fox 64 and really loved it. And Mario Kart 64 and all that shit. 
And I went to my parents. I was like, I'm going to ask them for an N64 for Christmas. And my sister was about 16 and she was dating a guy that was like 18 and he was pretty cool. And we, and he liked video games and Lego and nerd shit. So we would like talk nerd shit. And one day he was like, yo bro, what are you asking uh, your parents to get you for Christmas? Like what's the big ticket item this year? And I was like, I'm going to ask for an N64. And he like in the most serious tone I had experienced at 12 years old was like, no, you're not. You're going to ask your parents for a PlayStation and Final Fantasy seven. Repeat that back to me. And he got me to like sit there and repeat it to him like three times and be like, I'm I'm going to ask for a PlayStation and, and this game I've never heard of Final Fantasy seven. And he's like, that's right. You are. And I just took his word for it. I was like, well, fuck. Dave's pretty cool. He listens to cool music I've never heard of. You know, like when you're a kid teenagers are like who you're looking up to you're very so you're like a lo- you're very much a sponge when you're that you're young. a sponge and you're impressionable for sure and yeah. i was like man like dave just seems like a really cool guy and uh he says this is the raddest shit and i didn't know to ask for a memory card so i always remember having to leave my playstation on pause for like the first three or four days i owned it and refusing to let my parents turn it off until they went to the store and bought me a memory card that which to be savage. fair probably helped me get one sooner at least because i was like guys i i have like three games you bought me and i literally can't play either of the other two until you go get me a goddamn memory card so i can save my final fantasy seven save save file and worry you're right like dave was a god tier influence in my life final fantasy seven to this day would be easily in like the top five video games that i ever played so for sure shout out to dave massive influence and i'd never played a final fantasy i'd never played a turn-based fucking rpg ever before (laughs) that interaction right so like that's just crazy the influence that that had on me and welcome aboard brody good to see you here brody's a good friend of mine we go long back and it's good to see him in the chat so that's sick uh yeah thank you for subscribing brody uh and then also i just want to give a shout out to bindu in the chat thank you so much for hanging out um, so while you're saying that, I was looking up the price of a PS1 memory card back in the day, and it was, it looks like it was 20 bucks, but that was back then. So that might as well have been $100. That's like 50 bucks now, like at least. Yeah. And so yeah, I basically was sitting there being like, mom and dad, you don't understand. This is going to kill your hydro bill until you go pay $50 for it to not kill your hydro bill. And I like, I'm lucky that I had parents that at least let me explain what I was talking about because yeah. so many of their parents would have been like, no, and just turn the shit off. And I would have been like, Oh God, that was no. like, t- that's You're 12 done. hours of my life. Right. You're like done. so many parents would be like, no, we bought you this. You can save up your allowance money. And at least when I broke it down for my mom, that I was like, I didn't know this existed either. This wasn't a thing on Super Nintendo, but yeah. like it won't let me save the fucking game till you go buy this memory chip. She was like, "Okay." I remember, like, yeah, not understanding we to that get him the, the memory chip. Time, why the newer consoles at the time required memory cards, and then I realized it's because one, you can't say they're the CDs weren't writable, and the memory wasn't kept on the unit itself, 
And then on some N64 games, it's because they literally utilized every megabit of data for the game, and then that's mm-hmm. why you need an external memory card. So, well, yeah. on um, <clears throat> on cartridge games, they used a battery save, right? Yeah. So there was actually it saved to a battery, which is such an interesting concept. And I still, I still don't fully understand how the fuck battery saves work. Like, I don't really understand how you cram data onto a battery, well, but it is a thing. Um, and to the point where in retro game collecting now a process that people often do is open like Super Nintendo or Nintendo or Genesis cartridges and solder a new battery onto them because the battery does eventually die out from you saving to it enough times. Yeah. And it's not a forever thing. So at least with the PS1 generation, like we, we moved to a more consistent and reliable form of saving but i don't think that when they were making super nintendo games like they didn't realize nerds were still going to be sitting here in 2022 fucking playing super nintendo no but they were like yeah the battery will wear out in five years we will have made the new console and nobody will care and like i don't think they that were... in the garbage we're, yeah exactly we're we made the... yeah it was just it was just ssd storage it was just nan flash soldered on a board and then it was just powered by the battery but back then like the storage was only so big but that's all they needed it was like kilobytes like barely even kilobytes and then that's all you needed for saves that's it's crazy like that's, yeah 100 those well, entire hit. games were like neo steel games would be like this game features 32 mega power which literally meant the entire game took up 32 megabytes yeah like, just think about that, right? Like, that's ridiculous. Even when I get ROMs of PS1 games, I'm struck by how small they are. Yeah. Like, even PS1 games, I'm like, wow, this entire fucking Tony Hawk game is, like, 1.07 gigabytes or something. Like, it's really not a lot of data. Yeah. It's wild. Well, because the CDs can only hold 700 megabytes. So was- They got great at compressing shit, obviously, right? Yeah. And, like, just figuring out how to how to really take advantage of, of that space. But at the time, I think the CDs seemed huge. They oh, were yeah. like, 700 megabytes? Are you fucking kidding? For one game? <laughs> and, then, and then FMBs yeah. came into play, and then they were like, oh, shit. Like, that's what's going to take up more. And then um, all the soundtracks. Uh, yo, I gotta tell you, I've been playing a lot of games. I'm currently playing three games simultaneously right now, and it's just been brutal. And I think I was talking about this last week it. as well. So I'm doing a playthrough of God of War 2018. I'm doing a playthrough of Roller Drum. I'm doing a playthrough of Timesia. And I recorded my uh, newest episode of Timesia, which just came out on my channel today. And my first episode, I was talking shit. I was fucking cocky. I was rolling in there Vince McMahon style, just like big strut. I got my cheeks clapped last night. Like I I got humbled so hard. I probably died like 20 times to like this one stupid boss. And I was just determined to get past it. And I was like, dude, should I just give up on gaming? I was like, holy shit. Um, but no, like I just laughed because I was like, wow, that was a fucking debate. The first area was a debate to just like con you into thinking that you're hot shit because you played Souls games. And then the next area was just like, nope, like, fuck you, janky AI, janky lock on system, like bullshit moves. And you're just like, oh, you're like, fuck me. But, um, 
I know I enjoyed it. It was still just to me. It was just that amount of frustrating to where like even if I died or something, I would just want to keep trying. So Timesia, everybody. The first area is a fucking debate. The rest is a little bit. Uh, oh, Saltiest Gaming in the chat. What up? Um, what up? Nice to have you here. But honestly, it's probably because, again, because I'm going to blame it on self-diagnosed ADHD. Whenever instructions come up <laughs> on a screen, I'm just like, nope, I'm not reading that. And I'm like, I'm going to figure it out myself. And then See, I don't buy it because I have professionally diagnosed ADHD <laughs> and I read all the fucking instructions and shit. Like the thing with ADHD is you're supposed to be able to concentrate on shit you're interested in, at least. I guess maybe... I don't know. Maybe that's we just, you know, ADHD manifests differently in different people. Maybe you're just not interested in instructions as a person. But I don't I don't find it hard to focus on pretty much anything in video games. Anything with words? I'm just like, nope, get out of the way. I want boomy boom boom the whole time. Like that's weird. I'm just like, nope. And then people will comment, they're like, you didn't equip this, this, or this, or like you didn't do this. And that would have made it way more easier. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I self-handicapped myself. Great. And I'm like, that's how Good fucking, yeah. that's how giga chat I am. I fuck myself over on purpose uh, to show my, my true game. That's when you skills. bluff. You're like, yeah, I'm doing that on purpose. Uh, yeah, guys, it's a challenge obviously. run, bitches. Maybe, maybe go idiots. read your instructions. Yeah, fuck you. Why, why don't you go play the tutorial? Let's get into some news topics here. Uh, It's been super dry for news, but we managed to scrounge the barrel of that is the internet uh, to find a few little uh, people. It's been like Ben Shapiro dry in the news lately, guys. (laughs) Like just just the driest valley. Uh, No, I think we. I thought we came up with some interesting topics for this week. Yeah, there's some good stuff in here for sure. But I definitely too wild. I definitely feel like um there's not a lot going on because there's just going to be like the big push for god of war ragnarok this this fall slash holiday Mm. season and i think nobody wants to compete with that and um Mm -hmm. like there's a lot to look forward to in 2023 i think well i definitely think like release calendars can have a very negative impact like we'll get into that a bit with the resident evil conversation i think but Definitely yeah. when uh, when you come out right next to something that people are super hype about, there's no denying that like it's it's a lot harder to reach and like launch a new property during a time when everyone's just like up oh, sequel to an already established franchise that I love. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, like it's <clears throat> it's it's been gnarly. But here's our first topic here and something leaked on the xbox side of things and that is xbox game pass friends and family branding seemingly discovered online and you gotta wonder where some of these leaks are like was this intentional like did like is this like pre-marketing like for a lot of this but you know if this is a leak because they were saying it was like that they already kind of listed it in certain areas of the world yeah right and i'm like is that a leak or is it just like the same way like you see that with cd releases or like god i sound old saying the word cd you see that (laughs) with music releases right where sometimes an album will have like a release date in the us and the uk and it'll be a little different by a few days and i still don't fully comprehend why that is it seems really dumb but they do that so i was like is this just a release window thing but i think that this seems like a no-brainer in the long run like I was not shocked at all when they were like, yeah, f- friends and family plan, because we've talked a bunch of times on this podcast already about the idea that like 
everything you're seeing with Xbox Game Pass and the new PlayStation Plus subscription model, etc., has all already been done by other streaming platforms yeah. for other media, right? And when you look at Spotify and when you look at Netflix and a lot of these things, they have friends and family plans, right? And like even Netflix now was like, oh, we're going to develop a system of like a friends and family plan because we're sick of people just sharing their Netflix accounts. So I think friends and family plans are just like a total logical progression of any subscription model, in my opinion. So it was not a very shocking leak, if you can even call it a leak. Yeah, and just think like a lot of the people that are doing like the $1 deal and like still like doing whatever they can to stay on that, like... Imagine if they were just like, you know what? It's 25 bucks a month and you can have 10 friends or like five friends on it, no matter what their IP address is. And like one person, like five people paying 25 bucks, like that's nothing. And then they're way more likely to sign on to that um, rather than like five individuals stay on that $1 per month plan. So I think it's just, it's smart and I don't know. I think it makes logical sense. Like, I think like you mentioned it, you hit it on the head. Like, it's like they already have other platforms to copy from who have been doing it for years for, for like over a decade. And it's just like, okay, what worked for them? What did not Let's just copy that. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. I think that that's, if you're not doing that, then you're an idiot because <laughs> there's all of these successful business models already in front of you whether it's video or music streaming or whatever you have to just learn from the people that have been successful yeah i'm still like for me like i wonder how many people are on that like super reduced pricing because like i thought Mm. it only lasted for like however long you signed up for and then mine expired and then i only had to pay game pass for the full price for one month and then i just went and bought another year off of uh, CD keys for Xbox uh, Live Gold or whatever it's called. And then I just converted that again. And then I got another year. They've apparently closed that loophole now is what I heard. But like, yeah, I wonder how many people are still riding out another year of it or whatever, for sure. Yeah, like that's crazy. But um, I don't know. I think it's just like, again, when a lot of these models, these services models, there's other platforms that are doing it for years. And then... You're going to see a lot of the same, which is a good thing because, like, hopefully it brings in the price and hopefully you see more bundling across different platforms. Like, maybe you sign up for this and you get Netflix included or, like, whatever. Because, like, I think that's the next thing is, like, what we were trying to get away from this entire time, like, all these packages with cables. It's, like, it's the same shit now and you're paying for, like, eight different subscription services and it's, like, it's getting much. But, um, yeah. 100%. I I, I would have a question for chat, which would be... (laughs) Now that you're seeing Netflix look at doing a cheaper model of subscription service that is ad supported, would you ever accept a certain amount of advertisements in your games to keep the cost lower? Like if they were like, hey, we'll let you play all these games on Game Pass for five bucks a month or three bucks a month. But like every 20 minutes of your gameplay, you're going to get a, a commercial. Would you deal I bet with you that? There's cheap fucks out there that would do it. There's totally people that would do that. I'm gonna put yeah, that in like, a poll. I don't think I would, but I I'll bet you there are people that would. no. So like, I I would not be shocked if that's where we're headed eventually. Is kind of my point. So out of the last question, uh, for those of you listening, 
Um, I asked, did any of you watch the Resident Evil show that was on Netflix? And out of all of you, you all said no. So there's a reason why uh, that show I was going to say, that's a good piece of evidence as to why it got canceled after one season. <laughs> eh? like, and I know shit. that the common uh gaming and uh gaming tv show audience is here on the update required podcast uh we're hitting it big everybody we're up and coming with our 45 subscribers so these these votes matter um yeah like just imagine that uh, i like the that question j retro is just like you're you're like you're playing your game and then it's just like you get a fucking clash of clans fucking ad for 30 seconds that you got to sit through and you're like fuck <laughs> you just beat a hard boss in final fantasy 7 remake it's like dun, 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 dun. raid shadow legends is a new hot game for mobile like and you're like oh fuck like would that kill your buzz for me it would but i think some people might just be like oh we had loading times back in the days before whatever like i've used that excuse about loading times before remember we were joking about like going back from the current gen like you play on a series x or you play on a ps5 and then i go back and i play on ps4 and i'm like oh yeah loading times this is like a whole thing but my attitude was always like, oh, it just gives me some time to vape and get a coffee and use the bathroom and like check my phone. Like, I don't really get concerned about it. So maybe some people would just treat the ad breaks like that. You know what? This brings me into another topic, an offsite, an offshoot topic. So this is something that I've discovered during my playthrough of God of War 2018 is and then you see this a lot on um, I find the PS4 generation of PlayStation games is especially the sony owned studios is they will find unique ways of trickery to have load screens without load screens and yes i personally fucking hate it i hate it i find it's garbage i would rather just have the loading screen like for the what i'm referencing is in god of war uh you beat this area and then it's like, okay, you go to the mountain and there's this black smoke here. And then, but you have the thing now to go through the black smoke. And then instead of just loading the area or playing a cutscene of the smoke going away after you shine the light, you have to hold the fucking joystick in a forced walk while you're holding the light for like 30 or 40 seconds. Then it just like loads the dispersed the, the smoke. And I'm just like, Fuck you. I would rather just you just put up a loading screen rather than have me hold the joystick up because I don't find that engaging gameplay. You know what's funny to me? So for one, Assassin's Creed Valhalla has this hilarious in-between where it is a loading screen, but your character is standing in nothing, just in blackness in all directions, yet it still gives you the ability to either walk or run forward. And I do every fucking time. Every time I'm sitting at that loading screen, I make my character run. Even though I know that if I stood there and did nothing after 30 seconds, the world would load the same either way. Something inside my brain is like, no, I'm running into the past. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I can't not do it. Um, The one that's most common to me, which you see in Final Fantasy VII Remake, and you see in the Star Wars game that I always forget the goddamn name of Fallen Order or whatever, the one yeah. with the red haired Jedi kid. 
it's like they call it the Dark Souls of Star Wars games. I, I'm not trying to start a fight. That's just what they call it. No, uh, but there's too. there's always loading points where you just squeeze through something, right? So all that you're, ooh, I'm going. I'm going into the cave, so I have to go between these two boulders to go into the cave. Or yep. Cloud's like, I just beat a giant robot, got to go between these shipping containers. <laughs> and it's yep. pretty clear that that is there as a loading screen. They don't really bug me. I feel like I would rather have them than the loading screen. Oh. So I feel like I, I feel exactly the opposite way that, like, to me, they do break the immersion less than an actual loading screen. I like that in Final Final Fantasy VII Remake, the only time I really see a loading screen is when I fuck up and die. And that most of the time, it still feels like I'm in the world. Because if I need a breather, I can just pause. And none of those segments take up a long period of time. I think this would offend me way more if we were in an era of hardware and they had done this too soon. And they were like, okay, we're going to mask the loading screen by having fake Kylo Ren maneuver his way between these boulders for four minutes. You know, and the, and the player just had to sit there with the stick held for it with like PS1 era load times being like, fuck, I know what they're doing here. But because of the fact that they all only last like 30 seconds or less, they don't bug me that much. They actually just sort of, especially when they're, I don't know, when the world's designed well enough that the the little gap that my character is forcing himself through doesn't seem super freaking forced in there too, right? Like there's one in Final Fantasy VII in particular where there's one of those gaps every time you go into the hideout of this little gang of kids, yeah. right? They're like the kids from Oliver, but in Final Fantasy VII, and they're just hanging out. I guess they don't pickpocket people. That but, Moogle kid, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, the Moogle kid, right? That makes sense to me. They would have a little narrow passageway into their hideout and like they're hiding from all the adults doing kid for shit. It made sense. Right. So I think you have to design the world well enough that it's not abundantly obvious that it's only there to mask a loading screen. And I think a good game designer can do that. Sometimes it's done tastely, but yeah, I hate it. I'm just like, this doesn't trick me. I know what's happening. And I'm like, I would rather just like a loading screen. Because uh, I, I would say when the opportunity is presented, absolutely. Absolutely, I do. <laughs> but uh, all right, let's get into this next topic here. And that is, and I, th I feel like this is an exclusive. I swear I read somewhere else this is not exclusive to PlayStation, but PS5 will get Discord integration in March 2023 rumor. Um, I thought it was going to be for both consoles. It uh, is confirmed. Uh, they do yes. say, I believe, later in this article, even that yeah, yeah. It, it is confirmed, or at least also heavily rumored <coughs> and uh, already. I, all I had to Xbox. say to this was thank fuck. It's just like because uh, now it's a lot more common. Like streaming was like it used to be such a niche thing, but now like anyone, it's been so accessible now that like a lot of people want to stream their NHL tournament that they have with each other. And like, they want to be able to hear their teammates in their ears and then also stream it at the same time. And it was a fucking pain in the dick before, uh, like my, my solution to it was just like, yeah, just use discord app on who's ever owning the stream, run the discord app. And then you just do it through there. And then like, what about all my friends? It's like, okay, just have them have discord on their phone and then just put one ear that's connected to their phone and then just have their gaming headset over top. 
Like, yeah. well, they, what if they don't want to do that? I'm like, well, then they, they don't get to be on the we stream. We used then. to have to do that just to play with certain friends because I yeah. would have friends that played on PC and we'd be on PS4 or whatever. It'd be like the only way we could play Fortnite or Rocket League with Buddy or whatever. And we'd be like, oh, we're playing with so-and-so, so we have to bust out our phones. And But with that being said, yeah, I agree. It's a long time coming. And it's funny because when I first read this article, I didn't have that immediate reaction of being like, right, it's good for streamers. So I like that you brought that up because mm-hmm. I didn't even really think of that. Uh, originally, I was like sitting there being like, does this just mean that PlayStation and Xbox did a shitty job building their chat support that they're both now adding Discord? But the other place that I thought of it that it'll be useful for the common person uh, and streaming is a great example, so I'm glad you brought it up. But the other place I think it'll be useful is just cross-platform play is becoming so much more common. Excellent so, point. yeah. Right? You're going to keep having more and more, like that, that uh, Xbox tournament we're having even, we had to get, uh, like, organized and be like, okay, some people only have the Xbox One version. Some people have the Series X version. So if you're playing this oh, person, yeah. you know, if you only own the Series S or Series X, you're still going to need to download both separate games in order for us to do this, right? Whereas apparently NHL 23, and this is a huge reason that I that I will probably actually pay for NHL 23, even though I've been a little, little lacklustered by their advancements over the last couple of generations of that game, is that they're claiming that it'll at least have cross-platform uh, matchmaking for the first time like ever i think it will still be like series x and ps5 together and then ps4 and xbox one together i think that's what they're gonna do so i think generations will still matter but even that like right now the way they have the game built it's like if i'm on a series x and i'm looking for a game i'm only getting series xs players and if i'm on ps5 and looking for a game i'm only getting ps5 players And the problem with this is that NHL is not nearly as popular as NBA 2K or FIFA. And so you already have a much smaller player base. And then when you divide that up onto like four separate platforms where everybody can only play in their own little pool, it's brutal. We spend a lot of time waiting to find a game sometimes. So I'm glad that, that that's becoming more and more common. But even EA is joining the party to some degree. And I think Discord will become more and more important for that as more and more games open up that door. Like MLB 22, the show right now is on like Switch, Xbox, PlayStation, and it's all crossplay apparently yeah. between like general, so like five consoles essentially all participating in the same pool. And uh, Switch entirely doesn't even have chat support. So that's the other thing. Like I would be so stoked if Switch added Discord support. But I guarantee you they won't do it yeah. because Nintendo's whole thing is just there's so many kids on their platform. And I'm just I think they're just worried they're going to run into like a old school Xbox Live problem. Right. Yeah. Of just like kids constantly being like, I'm going to bang your mom to like five year olds who are just <laughs> trying to play Mario. And then what they don't realize is that the majority of the online player base on Nintendo is like 30 year old fucking scrubs like us. Oh, 100%. Like, and that's the thing. Like, don't get me wrong. I would get myself in trouble if Nintendo had voice chat because yeah. at some point I would like win an online game of Mario Kart 8 and be like, suck my balls, bitch. And yeah. like, somebody's kid would be very insulted. So, totally. I get it. I get it. I think that's I see a, why Nintendo doesn't do it. That's a sick point that you hit on. It's just like, one, um, that 
built-in chat systems or party systems for both PlayStation and Xbox, like, I feel like the Xbox one was better than the PlayStation one, but still, like, going from previous gen and current gen, nightmare. And then also, like you mentioned, too, like, with these games being available on all the different platforms, you no longer have that problem where it's like, oh, it's I have all my PlayStation friends added um, in my PlayStation uh, friends group. And it's just like, get rid of all that because Discord's universal. And then you can have, like, everybody on there, and it's so much better. And then... The next point that you touched on is uh, like game servers with built-in matchmaking, like no matter what uh, platform you're playing on. Because like, I don't know, maybe it was efficient for the time, but that sounds like a fucking nightmare for like, it's like, oh, they're on this console version. You have to be on this console to like play against them. And it's like, oh, that's that's or download the outdated copy. Right. Like for some people, I was actually the luckiest person in the NHL tournament. Yeah, because I own an Xbox One S and an Xbox Series X. Yeah. So when they were like, oh, some people have the old version. I was like, oh, that's fine. I just install NHL once on each console. Yeah. But for a lot of people who sold their Xbox One when they upgraded to the series, they're left being like, well, their like hard drive space is already limited on these next gen consoles. Mm -hmm. So unless they've gone and bought the giant $300 Xbox memory card or unless they have an external hard drive to move all their Xbox one games to now they're sitting there being like, so now I have to download two entire copies of NHL to take up a giant chunk of my less than one terabyte of storage. Yeah. Neat. And they're just like, uh, I'm going to opt out of this tournament. (laughs) Pretty much. Like I was blown away. I was incredibly amazed that so many people were that committed to the idea of this tournament that they were like, yeah, I'll take up 60% of my hard drive space with two copies of the same game. Like it's, it says good things about my friend group and their willingness to want to have fun and do things together. But it's also fucking stupid that they have to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good thing. It's just long time coming. Uh, I'm surprised it's all the way out in March. Uh, War One in the chat even said that some people have tested it on the Microsoft side who are insiders and are already Ooh. reporting that it works. And I'm just like surprised that it takes so long to push that kind of shit out. Um, this next news article here, I'm not surprised at. And I thought they were kind of already in the game. But uh, Sony establishes PlayStation Studios mobile division and because they just recently uh, recently purchased uh, what was the game studio called? Savage Game Studios. I knew it was some name like that. But uh, yeah, play uh, Sony's in the mobile space. And then for me, I was like, yeah, no, duh. They probably saw how much fucking money Blizzard made off of Diablo Immortal being like a free game on mobile. And we're just like, we want a piece of that pie. 100%. Uh, Everybody wants a piece of the mobile pie. Why 90% of the ads that you get on this platform are for Raid Shadow Legends, right? Like it's my boss at work used to play Clash of Clans. Everybody's into that shit. I had another guy at work who used to play Call of Duty mobile really religiously. It's funny because I think as gamers... And I want to use the term real gamers, but then I sound like a giant pretentious ass. But fine, let's be pretentious asses about it. Us real gamers, (laughs) right? That's right. That's right. Fuck you. That's why I'm sitting here with all these pro controllers and shit. Like, yeah, so at at that point, you're like, okay, us real gamers who play video games on platforms that are built for video games. 
I think we've always turned our nose up at mobile gaming. I definitely have. Um, I think when it first came out, everybody was like, oh, cool, this will be the future. Nobody will need a Game Boy because mobile gaming will take over. That was my initial reaction. And then we started playing mobile games. Uh, and we were like, this kind of sucks. Touch controls are bullshit. Uh, the only way to make this a viable platform at all is to buy a Bluetooth controller for it. And at that point, why don't I just buy a fucking Nintendo Switch? This is basically the conclusion I came to with mobile games. However, there are tons of people um, who don't buy video game consoles and who have a passing interest in the concept of video games. PCs took care of that for a really long time where I think a lot of people that owned office PCs and stuff and especially back in the day when PC games were less demanding so like when you were just talking about King's Quest and shit um, you know you didn't need a super beast of a computer to run King's Quest and so games like King's Quest filled that gap for people that were like I don't care enough about video games to go buy one of them Nintendos that they sell to the kids down at <laughs> Toys R Us but I play a little chess master I play a little King's Quest I play a little Minesweeper and so they got to experience the concept of video games passively I think mobile gaming will continue to be a huge industry for casuals right yeah. people like my boss who's sitting there in between meetings, playing a couple quick rounds of Clash <laughs> of Clans. But when he goes home, he's got a wife, and he's got kids, and he's got all this shit going on. And he's not like me, where he gets to get off work and be like, I'm going to play three hours of Final Fantasy VI. You yeah. know, like, some of us you are living the here, dream. Everybody. Jay Retro's boss <laughs> is a fucking scrub loser who can only play mobile bitch games on his phone and hasn't manned up enough to tell his uh, wife shut up on, <laughs> on the off chance my current boss ever watches our podcast yeah. this was my old boss and on the off chance that my old boss ever watches this podcast i thought you were a really solid guy you were a good boss um but yeah i i just think that mobile gaming you know at the end of the day I'm glad it exists for those people, I guess, is like what I'm trying to in a really roundabout fashion get to. Like, it's easy for us to look at it and be like, oh, fucking Sony is going to put money into mobile gaming. They should be putting money into real video games. But I, I just think you got to apply to casuals and, you, and you've always got to appeal to them. And a certain percentage of those casuals might become us one day. Like some people... Especially in the modern generation, like, what's the first video game most children are going to play now? It's right. Gonna it's going to be their mom or their dad. Well, I will Fortnite. If you think of like a really full fledged game, I was going to say shit like Angry Birds. It's going to be their parent giving them an iPhone or an iPad or whatever when they're five years old and being like, here, play cut the rope, you know, play oh fucking. God. These are These old little, games now. I don't even think those are well, still like... I, I'm trying to think of what the modern equivalent of that is, and that's the point, is that I'm old. I'm not the five-year-old <laughs> playing on an iPad, right? But that, like those sorts of games, like fucking Mario Run and shit like that, where it's literally just you flicking your finger, those are going to be most children's first experience with the concept of a video game these that's days. True. And then it's going to be like, what percentage of those kids are like this is rad 
and then want to go figure out like what the bigger version of that is right and they see their older siblings streaming fortnite on their gaming pc and they're like yeah more of this video games are great um I'm trying to see what the top games are in the app store. Right Everyone now. starts as a casual fan of everything, which I think is a really important thing to remember. Yeah, do that because that'd be interesting to find out. But yeah, I think I think that's something we we drift on, whether we're talking about video games, whether we're talking about movies. I think hardcore fans of things lose sight of that fact a lot that it's like we were all casual fans at some point right you weren't always obsessed with that band at some point you had just seen a couple of their music videos and you were like oh this band seems cool and then one day you were a mega fan right yeah um you know what's another thing that i I noticed with the mobile with the mobile scene is like like even back when i worked in an office like my coworkers, when among us came out everyone Mm. was playing that on mobile uh, Fortnite, everyone was playing that on mobile. Uh, like you mentioned before, Call of Duty Mobile, PUBG. Like people were playing those games on their phones because they have their phones with them all the time. And then also, it's the people that like have long commutes or just doing dumb shit on their phone. And time after time, companies are starting to see like how just one bullshit game can generate so much fucking money, and it's so much fucking money. Mm-hmm. Um, with like little investment to make the game like exceptionally, it could be a, an already owned property and you just kind of migrate it over to mobile, have some fucking pay to win shit in it or like loot boxes or whatever. And you can yep. just make sick amounts of bank. And it's like, what do you do? Do you dump 200 plus fucking million dollars in the horizon forbidden West that they haven't announced any of the sales metrics for it? Cause I don't think it sold as well as they thought it would. Or do you dump twenty million into a mobile game and have it fucking like do a bill in revenue? And it's just like, dude, yeah, I totally see why Sony or any of these studios would also have a mobile division. I think it would be stupid for them not to. Again, we've said this multiple times. These companies aren't our friends. They're not uh, here to do us favors. They're here to make money. They're here to get Bugattis and um, <laughs> what else? What does that Andrew Tate guy said? I don't know. Like they're here to make bank, bro. Uh, but yeah, well, because what War is proving my point right there. Like her bro- brother in laws are like nineteen, and they like you know they played mobile games like COD and Rocket League and shit on mobile, and now they're primarily PC and console gamers, right? So that's a great example. Like everyone's gonna start on that casual side. Some people are going to get hooked in. I found it really funny that Sony spent a large chunk of this article being like, guys, we swear to God, we're not going to burn all the PlayStations. Like, we swear we still care about PlayStation. And they had to come out and do that when they put games on PC at first, too. Because I think PlayStation fans uh, more than... it's weird. Like, well, maybe Nintendo would feel the same way. I would say PlayStation fans and Nintendo fans are similar in that for a really long time, they've lived in a pretty closed off ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Microsoft fans are just used to the idea that Xbox and windows share a lot of stuff. So when it gets announced that some Xbox game is going to come to PC, nobody who owns an Xbox loses their shit. They're just like, yeah, like, 90% of the games that come to this console go to PC and lots of games that come out on PC come to Xbox. And that's just always how this has worked. 
Microsoft built it. It's basically just a computer anyways. Mm -hmm. And that's just always been the attitude. But PlayStation fans were like losing their mind. Not all of them, obviously, but there was a percentage of PlayStation fans losing their goddamn mind that Sony was going to like break the seal and put Final Fantasy VII or Spider-Man and Uncharted and shit on PC. And it, it, it goes back to that thing that we asked a number of podcasts about, where it's like, if little Johnny down the street gets to enjoy something, how does that hurt your enjoyment? But I think that somehow the, the concern on the PlayStation side is often that they feel Sony is going to put more resources or more effort or more concentration and that they're going to somehow, you know, like be like, now we're a mobile developer. Yeah. Or like now we're a PC gaming company and that the, the PlayStation brand is going to fall by the wayside. And I just think that's like never going to happen or no. at least not going to happen anywhere near to the point where people are where like maybe PlayStation doesn't exist as a brand fucking 80 years from now. I don't know. I don't have a glass ball, but I definitely don't think it's going anywhere this generation or next generation or anytime soon. And I think Sony is just becoming wise enough as a company to be like, look at Microsoft over there selling more video games to more people by just being like, sure, we'll sell it to the PC gamers, too. Um, and if as a company, your hope is like, well, if we don't sell it to them, they'll buy a PlayStation that only works in places in the world where people have money. And there's just so many or people when in the world. PlayStation's available to sell both. Right. Yeah. Which they're, they're suffering on both right now. Like a production, all of that. There was obviously the shortages we had B the entire world is going through this period of extreme inflation where mm -hmm. prices are getting jacked up on everything. I think a lot more people are going to stop looking at things like owning two consoles. And I think there's a lot of people in the world and this has already been a thing for a decade or more where that's why when you look at countries like India, Korea, etc., what is the main platform that they play video games on in those countries? PC and mobile, right? Because a PC or a mobile can do more than just play video games. So it's easier for them to justify that purchase and be like, well, I need a cell phone or I need a laptop because I can also use it for work and university and whatnot. And if I go buy a gaming laptop, then I'll also get to play video games. And so I just see like when I got really into PC gaming, I realized that like a lot of the videos that are about building budget gaming PCs come from countries like that where it's people who are looking for the cheapest way conceivable to play relatively modern video games. And they're buying like a three or four year old graphics card and whatnot. And like making videos on how other people can make these super budget builds. But they're not running out and buying a series X or a PS five. They're trying to play battlefield five on low settings and they're happy with it. Yeah. Right. So I just think that there's a huge chunk of of the gaming ecosphere that that like as people that participate in, I don't know, mainstream gaming, we don't think about them. Right. But like, I think if you don't think about them, you're just losing revenue when you're someone like Sony. Well, 
like I like the, there's some good points that you unpack there, but like I definitely feel like the couple of things there. So one, I feel like there is that section of Sony fanboys that like they've just made that identity their identity so hard, and they spend like their full. 24 hour day like fighting any like xbox point of view and like any xbox strategy they just argue the exact opposite like like sony would never do that sony would do this blah 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 so when there is an announcement like oh this game is coming over to pc their identity has been shattered like their identity has been cracked and it's like that's Mm -hmm. why they're just like so hard against it like in reality though it's just sony adjusting to the times and it's just like okay we haven't been able to get as many consoles out as we would have normally during this time in the in the launch of this console we have to adjust somehow how are we gonna how are we gonna make up the lost revenue of people not playing these games on the latest console okay let's release some older titles on pc which is more readily readily available to more people and it's also a ploy to get like even if it's a fraction of those people over to potentially win them on buying a new PlayStation console. Cool. They double dip. They just win right there. What I was looking up while you were talking there was a good point that you brought up is like, just think of like the world view, the bigger picture of the population of the world. There's 7.75 billion people on this planet and PlayStation four in its lifetime sold 117 million units. So that's like less than a And that's worldwide. That's like the worldwide. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's so that's, bra- that's less a brilliant example. That's less than 1% of the whole world population bought that console or like, and then even let's say we, we combine all of the console sales from last generation. So like switch Xbox one PlayStation, that's probably still a un percent of the entire world population. So again, anyone who owns a console is privileged. And this is going into our next uh, topic here really, really seamlessly. But also, um, and then when you think of the people who are like scum like us, who have all of the consoles or like all of the systems, that's probably like a fucking fraction of the one that's such it's a like sm- point zero 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 one. Yeah, like it's, that's, it's ridiculous. That's probably like just such a small, mm. insignificant when you look at the world view. But it's like... How many people have mobile smartphones? And it's like, that's that's astronomical. How many people have an internet-connected device? And it's like, that number is astronomical. So it's it's stupid to think that that is not where the future's heading. It's like there's... Even shit like League of Legends, right? Which, mm-hmm. was like, blew up. I'm like, yeah, because it ran on PC, and it ran on a PC that had the fucking power of a potato, mm-hmm. right? Like, I honestly think that's part of why those, like, MOBA games blow up so goddamn hard. Because you could play it on your cousin's iPad, you could play it on your brand-new gaming PC, and there's no goddamn difference. Because it was never designed to be graphically impressive or some shit right it was designed to be accessible and generate revenue also (laughs) makes it cheaper to host on game servers there you go have that many people on it yeah um all of this goes into our next topic very perfectly which is xbox series s x and series s will not 
follow PlayStation 5 price increase. And also, Nintendo will also not raise uh That's true. Prices. I'm glad you brought that up. That was yeah. also deep but in the article, yes. Also, like, for, like, okay, so I just want to get my take on this real quick here. So, again, with the circumstances that we live in right now, how hard it is to get parts for, like, anything. Because, like, everyone's got to remember, too, where like 80% of all processors come from is one place in uh, Taiwan, TSMC. Uh, and I think Samsung makes the rest of the world's processors. Like it's very small. Like even fucking Intel uh, get their work out to TSMC. So that, and that's not just like CPUs and GPUs. That's processors for everything like fucking clocks, microwaves, fridges, cars, everything is made from like one or two companies. Um, shit's going to go up in price. And when you don't have the bankroll to fucking eat it, um, you're going to have to raise your prices. And again, these people are not our friends. They would unplug the fucking life support from our mother's hospital bed if it meant they would save a few bucks like in the next fiscal quarter. They would do it with a smile on it. They wouldn't even think twice. If it wasn't going to be reported in the news, they would fucking, they would like do a little skip while they did it. Like people, <laughs> people fucking forget this. Oh my God. And so here's right. the thing. Sony, like they're a big company, but they're not that big. Um, they're still like, they could be like two or three decisions away from being fizzled out. Like that's like, they have success, but they're still, they're not immune. Um, so when they make a decision like that and they're just like, yo, okay, to this climate, some places with all the import taxes and shit and all the environmental fees, shit's got to go up by 20 bucks. And honestly, if $20 throws you off from being able to afford the console that you want, you couldn't really afford it to begin with. Like, again, it's 1% of the entire world's population that is privileged enough to own these things. So you're already privileged. You're just not privileged enough to be able to afford that. Microsoft, they've always played this game and Sony's played this game too. When the other company makes a decision that people kind of like frown at, the, uh, the other company is usually the first one to be like, you know what? Guess who's not doing that? Us. Come over to us. And I think Microsoft's in a good position where they can afford to like not raise their prices. And they're and they just this is a good marketing tactic. Fuck yeah. If I was a, if I was in their camp, I would be like, uh, let's eat it a little bit longer. We can always raise the price in the future. But I think right now is the time to be like, hey, we're not doing that. And then get people over. Um, which is I think that's one hundred percent the yeah. right takeaway from this article. And then yeah. switch, fuck you! You better not raise your prices for a console that came out in twenty seventeen because they're probably getting those parts for pennies. And it's just, oh yeah, even yeah. with the OLED switch, right? Where like because that's the only advancements they made is releasing the OLED model, but the original model's still on the market. The light is still on the market. OLED screens have been on every goddamn smartphone that's come out for the past four years. It's not like OLED technology is freaking cutting edge, right? Like, I totally agree. Like, Nintendo of all companies would look like schmucks yeah. if they were like, we're jacking our prices up too, even though we're the only company that didn't come out with any actual new hardware for the new generation. Um, but my initial takeaway from this article 
was in, yeah switch pro right around the corner hashtag 2055 <laughs> oh. um my, my original takeaway was exactly yours yeah was that i was like yeah because microsoft can afford to do that right they are a much larger company they have a much deeper pocketbook and like you said they can be like yeah we'll eat that for a while and I liked the cautious way in which they maneuvered through that statement, right? Yeah. Because they were like, obviously, things are always changing. Yeah. And once, like, they pretty much used my line from earlier in the podcast where they were like, hey, man, we don't have a crystal ball. Like, yeah. we can't tell you what's going to happen in three years or some shit. But, like, I can tell you that there are currently no plans, which is such a corporate response. Totally. Right. And it's perfect. Yeah. It's the part, yeah. like, even if they raise the prices in six months, this is still a fucking stone cold stunner to the PlayStation camp to be like, fuck you. We're not raising our prices. And then people will love them for it. And like hundred percent great marketing play. Um, but again, you're stupid. If you think that like Sony owes you anything, it's like, no. Or if you think that Microsoft is doing this cause they love you. Yeah. Right. Like you are going <laughs> to see, you're already seeing more bleed in this generation from the PlayStation to Microsoft camp than you saw in the PS4 generation. Cause Sony fucking killed it with the PS4. I had the PS4. It was my only console for that entire generation. But you, I have a number of friends who bought a Series X or bought a Series S after their PS4 being their main console for the entire generation. Like a large number of friends now, and it's growing all the time. So I definitely don't think that Xbox has like overtaken Sony by any regards. I still think they're behind them. But I just think that they're being much more successful with this generation. And this is just another move that just plays into that. Yeah. Because they've made themselves look like the good guys this generation in a lot of ways. And once again, I'm smart enough to know that that's not actually because they're good guys and that this is still all marketing. But like the idea being like, hey, we're going to have subscription services where you can get our consoles at zero dollars down like a smartphone. The people that can't Smart. afford to buy a console, you just pay for it month by month. Uh, we're really going to push Game Pass, making those hilarious freaking ads with a guy from Brooklyn Nine-Nine where he talks about buying a Series S and Game Pass and how it's the best deal in gaming. All sorts of stuff like that. They, they just did really well to come off as like the more affordable brand. And that's been a huge part of what I think has helped them claw back from Sony this generation is framing Xbox as the value brand. And this just plays into their whole fucking narrative, right? Like, I'm sure they were they were sitting in a boardroom being like, this is brilliant. Yeah. We'll just tell them we're not raising prices because this whole marketing push has basically been about them being play more games for less dollars yeah that is sort of being their whole pitch for xbox this generation it's brilliant and then they can still raise the price in a year and not look like liars because they told you flat out that they were like we don't know we're just saying we're not raising it right now you just gotta be, you gotta be lawyer with your words but like i bet you it was like fucking tyler in the boardroom slicked back hair and then he was like everybody everybody listen and then he's like deborah Honey, can you hand me a sheet of that paper there? And he's like, thanks, babe. And then he, like, crumples it up, and he goes, how about we don't raise our price? And then he, like, does one of these, and it goes in the boardroom trash bin, and then everyone's like, 
Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Give sick. Batman a raise. Yeah. Buy him a third Maserati because Tyler's killing it. Yeah. I think the series consoles, they've like, they've really pivoted to exactly what you said to be like the most affordable deal in gaming and, and like the best uh bang for buck value i still argue that if you're a casual gamer and you just want to be um exposed to a lot of games for a very low entry price the series s and a game pass subscription best deal in gaming um what i have a theory for you and i think we've talked about this before i really think that a lot of the individuals like yourself went from skip the xbox one generation to begin with because they were so burned by the red ring of death on the 360 so i feel like people lost faith in the product in the xbox product and they were just like i'm not fucking dealing with that again i'm getting whatever playstation's coming out with and then so they I, got I think a- it was a combination of factors for me because i think you're entirely right but also like I waited enough because I waited like a year into the generation or more to buy the PS4. It might have even mm. been out by almost two years by the time I bought it. I think that was part of it. So I think by the time I bought it, I also knew that PlayStation had kind of won that generation. And I was like, all my friends have PS4s. So it just made sense to buy what all my friends had yeah. as well. I also remember holding the DualShock 4 for the first time, and it was in the Target, which we don't have Target anymore. That was a very brief Canadian experiment where we had <laughs> Target for like three months. So they decided no. Uh, I went in a Target, and, I, and they had one of those display consoles where you could hold the controller and everything and maybe play some demos. And as soon as I put my hands on the DualShock 4, it wasn't as much as I like the Xbox controller, and it never will be. But I was like, I hate this a lot less than the PS3 controller, like a lot less. Like one of PlayStation's biggest sins to me was that they had essentially just had the same goddamn controller for three generations and never, ever updated the design. Yeah, it's literally the design from the first DualShock they released on PS1. They're the same freaking controller, essentially, right? Like they never switched it up. And so I was like, you know what? I can deal with these uh, symmetrical analog sticks because at least you improved the ergonomics of this goddamn thing. And at least you made it more comfortable for my big boy hands. Because, guys, I got really big hands. And, like, that doesn't work on those dinky little PS1 controllers. It feels weird. It's even weirder when I play the PlayStation Classic and they have, like, a miniaturized version of a PS1 controller. And I'm like, oh, my God. I feel all like I'm playing on the calculator. are even smaller than the actual ones? For all of the minis, the controllers are slightly smaller than the actual controllers. The only one that did not do this, which, once again, feeds into it being the best one, was the Sega Genesis Mini, yeah. where the two controllers were the exact same size as the original Sega three-button controllers. And I was just like, that's what you want. You just want to feel yeah, like you're playing the, the original. controllers mini, make the console mini. Yeah. And have it's it have not HDMI. As noticeable, <laughs> it's not as noticeable with the Super Nintendo ones. They're mm. like, they're, they are smaller, but it's a... It's a slighter difference. But when you play the NES, the NES, you're like, yeah, these are these are definitely smaller. But then you also only have two buttons. 
So you're like, yeah. whatever. There's not that much going on in this controller anyways. It doesn't bug me nearly as much as you would think it would when I'm describing it. Like, I, I don't think there being a lot of situations on any of those mini consoles where I've been like, God damn, tiny controller can't beat this game. But the PlayStation one is actually the one to me where it's the most noticeable. Yeah. And I think that's because the controller format is the closest to a modern controller that it's, you know, it has the sticks coming out on both sides and it's kind of meant to fit in my hand like a modern controller. Yeah. Whereas all, all the retro ones are, I don't know, they're like a little little disc in your goddamn hand. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I definitely think that the PS4's DualShock 4 was a giant leap in the right direction. I haven't played on the PS5, admittedly, still to this day. I'm that guy. I do like uh, the look of the new controller even more than the PS4 one. I still I, I still hate that the sticks are symmetrical, and I never yeah. won't. Uh, but I do think that it looks like an even bigger step in the right direction, especially for people like me with the big boy hands. I, I love it. It is a slightly bigger than the, the DualShock 4. Um, like it's it's one of those controllers that you have to use to understand how awesome it is. But yeah, you'll never get past the symmetrical thumbsticks. Like if you're if you like the Xbox layout, you will you still like that layout. It's just it doesn't yeah. change that. But the things that it does do super innovative and amazing um so this sure. topic here and this was the opening uh poll question here and is anyone surprised uh netflix resident evil show has already been canceled and i admittedly didn't watch it but i seen the meme clips of it and i was like that looks fucking terrible and what i gotta say after reading this is good like if I could say anything to anybody, it's if you want Hollywood to stop making these fucking garbage shows and just completely disrespecting the source material like they do and putting in their fucking current event woke garbage, um, don't watch their shows. Don't fucking watch them. If you feel that you must to get the memes Find a digital download somewhere and fucking watch it there because you're just adding a metric when you watch it on the service itself. So if you're watching on Netflix, if you're watching on Disney Plus or what was the Halo one on fucking Paramount, whatever. Yeah, don't do it. Find a digital download. Wink, wink. And just watch it there if you must. But these fucking shows like I I'm hoping that enough of them will bomb and get canceled that maybe they'll rethink the process and be like, you know what? Maybe we should get some writers and some people who actually like the source material to fucking make the show or movie. And so, yeah, I, I think the most horrifying thing about this article is that they still have the rights to all these other video game properties, Yep, which they cover at the end. They're like, Oh, but they own the rights to horizon and they own the rights to Bioshock. And they and like Netflix has the rights to make shows out of a bunch of other successful video game properties. When I first heard that they were going to make a Bioshock show. Oh, my God. Um, Oh, my God. There's there's so much potential there. Like part of me wanted to be like, yes, Bioshock is the perfect fucking video game to make into a movie or a TV show. This is going to be incredible. And then I reminded myself of shit like this Resident Evil show and of like Heavenly Sword and of all the god awful video game adaptations we've got over the past 
punchy years. If you guys like Bioshock, like at all, if you ever played Bioshock one, please write an email to Netflix and tell them to not make that show. Like I, I actually, after seeing this resident evil shit that they've done, I, I have very, very slim hopes for the Bioshock one to be any better. And did I watch resident evil? No, but I watched analyses and reviews of their series and it looked God awful. Uh, and I watched the new resident evil movie that came out recently, which was God awful as well. And I feel like that's part of why I didn't end up even going back and watching the Netflix franchise, because I was just like, how many failed attempts at relaunching the same fucking property that I care about deeply from the original game, can I conceivably sit through as a fan? Like, it's like if you had a friend that you really liked and mm. every time you went out of the house with him, somebody beat him to a fucking pulp and you were just like, you know what, dude, I love you. I love hanging out with you, but I'm just, I'm really sick of watching you put yourself in situations where you get massacred and sent to the hospital. <laughs> um, because of the people you associate with. And yeah. in this metaphor, the people they associate with are obviously the Hollywood studios. And it's, yeah, it's just really sad. I think that Hollywood has the biggest boner for the video game industry because it sees what a cash cow it is. Yeah. And like, it's literally succeeded Hollywood at this point as like the most lucrative entertainment industry in the world. And so it's easy to look at that and be like, look at all those copies of that Resident Evil game flying <laughs> off the shelf. We need some of that cash. We want a piece of that pie. But all of these movies and projects are getting greenlit and headed up by people who clearly don't actually have a passion for these IPs right who aren't people that played the games or grew up on the games or care about the games uh and it's just it's sad it's sad to sit through as a video game fan and it's such a long-standing tradition at this point like all yeah. the way back to like street fighter and the super mario brothers movie right like it's <laughs> yeah. like how many shitty video game movies and tv shows do we need to stomach before the video and like the only reason they're still getting made, which I love that you touched on, is people are watching them. So the yeah. only reason that Hollywood does another one is because they're like, we sure made a lot of money off of those Resident Evil movies. Like, stop watching this trash. Yeah. Please. Or if you must, like, uh, get a download of it somewhere. And it's just like, you know what? Like, I will say, I bet you all of these projects start from a good place. They start there. They're like, hey, we should make this movie or we should make, let's use this as an example. We should make a Resident Evil TV series. People seem to love these streaming TV series. Let's make it about Resident Evil. And then it goes down to the next level. It's like, okay, well, in current times, you can't say this, 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 or this. And it's like, you also have to have uh, this many of this demographic, this many of this demographic, this many of this demographic, Okay, well, we need writers for the show. Okay, well, you're only allowed this, 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 and this. And it's like, okay, well, who's in those areas that we could hire? And it's like very select few people. And then 
the odds of them being in that fixed demographic and then also being fans of the source material are nil. Like there's no way. And then you get these people on board who probably have their ideas for their own show. And then they've been hitting up the production company like, hey, I want to write a script for this show or I have this idea. And they're like, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Our next project, maybe we'll bring you on as a writer. Say, cool, cool, cool. Okay, we have a project for you now uh, to be a writer on. Great. I want the promotion. What's it called? Resident Evil, the TV series. And it's like, oh, I don't play video games, though. Doesn't matter. You fit our profile. We need to bring you on. It's about zombies. Figure yeah. some shit out. Read the Wikipedia and go from there. And that's literally what you get with all these shows is you're like, you can tell they read enough to know basic shit. Yeah. Like there are characters in the Resident Evil TV shows that are from the games. But they, it's literally like they were just like, Wesker is a character. What if we concentrate on his daughters? You know, it's just weird. They just find random shit from the game and then, like, spin off of that into some other shit. And you saw that a lot with the Halo series. Like, the Halo series is actually... I loved it as you were describing that because that yeah. was exactly what happened with the Halo series to the point where the director of the Halo series has actually talked about this in interviews and being like, yeah, I had all these ideas for a science fiction show I wanted to do and I could never get it greenlit. And then they were like, do Halo. So I just took all my ideas and put them in Halo. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, no wonder I hate this shit because I wanted you to just faithfully adapt something I cared about. And instead, you used something as that I cared about as a vehicle to tell a completely unrelated story that you already had in your notes somewhere else. Um, and the Resident Evil one crapped me up because as I was reading this article and they tried to do this a bit with the new Resident Evil movie and still messed it up. And this is like the Silent Hill movies. This is like so many video game movies where I was like, all you had to do was follow the script they already laid out, like the Halo TV show, yeah. right? Like I was like, if you literally had just given me a live action rendition of the plot from Halo 1 and changed practically nothing and just made like seven episodes of live action television that just retold Halo 1, anybody who was a fan of Halo would have been like, take my money, you are my new god, this is the best thing I've ever seen. And so it's the same with Resident Evil. I'm like, just put them in the mansion. How are we this many Resident Evil properties in? To the point where the only one that even touched on the mansion Fuck, was bro, the I'll settle on a duplex. Put him inside. <laughs> it was the original movie was the only one that even touched on the mansion. And yeah. it touched on it in like the last five minutes of the movie. Yeah, the where first it was five, like, last five. The, yeah, it was like, oh, the facility was under the mansion. And I yeah. was like, I just want them in a mansion with zombies. That's all you need to do. Yeah. And then make a second movie about raccoon city and then make a third movie where they're in the police station and the nemesis is chasing them around. Yeah. Why is this rocket science? Like all you have to do is follow out the trilogy. That's already super successful. But every time Hollywood does one of these video game translations, they're like, no, we got to put our spin on it. We got to, yeah. 
it would be too it's predictable ego, if we just followed the games. It's like, ego. It's just like yeah. if you did that, like you would do so much fan service, the fans would be so happy, but then you would get like the fucking internet critics that would be like they didn't even add anything. They just like they just followed it beat by beat and there was no creativity. I didn't see any representation of blank 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 and da da da. Yep. And then, then they get under fire for that, and they're like, "Fuck, man! I yep. was just, I was just following the fucking story." Like they'd be like, uh, "You know, the new Resident Evil Netflix series does a great job of being faithful to a story that was written in 1998, and times are really different yeah. now, right? Like totally." And I just, I just think it's super sad. And I think they also have this attitude of like, "But then only video game fans will like it." And we just want to take that property and make a successful Hollywood movie out of it. We want people that like video games and other people to like yeah. our movie. But in doing that, they end up making a movie that no one likes. You just because diluting it, it. And it's just right. Like, and you're making a worse product. Exactly. No, and then, depend, to find your core audience and stick with them. If you're making a movie out of a fucking video game, your video game fans are the people you should be trying to please, frankly. Yeah. Right. Like, it sucks that we're letting such a small group of individuals dictate the media we consume. And it's like, it's a small group of individuals on the internet that are just going to fucking tear down anything that you do in the spirit of whatever ism um, that's out there. <laughs> and it sucks. Cause all it does is it just makes shitty content. And I'm, I hope, I hope that Netflix lost a fucking boatload of money on this. I hope they continue to lose a fucking boatload of money. I hope a lot of these services that make these shows and fucking like take a hot shit on them lose a ton of fucking money because yeah, getting some backlash from some fucking nerds that have all of the consoles that are in a fraction of a 1%, that stings a little. But you know what fucking stings a lot? When nobody goes to your show or movie and you fucking lose yeah. a boatload of money. And if that's that all these companies care about, right? Yeah. Like at the end of the day, as we discuss over and over again, they're not your friends, which is why they don't give a shit about your fandom for Halo or Resident Evil. They just yeah. want to make dollars. But you're absolutely right. And I love that you brought this up because like I was sitting there being like, wow, that kind of sounds bitter. And then I was like, no, he's right, because losing money is the only way they'll ever learn. The only hope in hell that I ever have of them making a Bioshock show that is even semi as faithful as I want it to be is them losing enough money on Resident Evil to get a wake up call and be like, oh, shit, maybe we need to make a show that's faithful to the games because we've been doing this a lot and losing money. Right. But <laughs> it's that yeah. one guy that's been quiet in the boardroom the whole time. They're like, do we have any ideas? Because we keep fucking losing money. And then someone was like make more woke characters or make this person do this or whatever. And then one guy's like, how about we just like make the show about the thing we're making a show about. And we just like hire some hardcore fans that like run a website about it and then get them to help us write the script. That's, and then we could probably pay them a hundred dollars and they'd be happy to do it. And then they're like, that's yeah. some fucking crazy talk. Johnson. You could pay me to write a Resident Evil TV show that was good 
And exactly, like I would have done it while still working a full-time job. If somebody would have been like, hey, Jay, we'll give you a six-pack and a Subway sandwich a day to write a Resident Evil yeah. TV show, we'll and I probably could have churned some better shit out. And we'll pay for your hotel. It won't yeah. be, it'll be like a three-star hotel, but you'll get free continental breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And it's like to come write the show. You're like, do, can, do I have to suck your dick too? They're like, yeah, no, done. They're like, okay, I, well, I get won't. to write it about Resident Evil though. Like, I get, yeah. to, I get to write the. They'd be like, yeah, it's, it's not an impressive continental breakfast. It's like a Best Western Junior. And I'd be like, dude, sign me the fuck up. Yeah, they have 100%. apple juice, but not orange juice. And you're just like, I don't, I'm, I, my shit's packed already. Like, I'm. Like, on my you way. know, what? I don't drink juice. Do they have coffee? I'm there. <laughs> I don't drink juice. I drink juice. Problem yeah. solved. I think, yeah, it's it's a sad state of affairs. It's yeah, but that's all it takes. Like, I think uh, what it reminds me of is uh, the 90s renaissance when Quentin Tarantino released Reservoir Dogs. Like, a lot, like mm-hmm. he talked about this too. Like, a lot of the movies of that time, late, like mid to late 80s, early 90s, were very conservative, very PC. And then it took one person to make a movie that was like really out there for the time and have it be successful for more people to be like, I like, I make movies like that too. And it's like, cool, sell them. And I feel like we're like, we're almost at that converging point. And I just, I want to see it because there's been some fucking dog shit released lately. And it's just like, it's just like sitting down and letting someone like hawk loogies in your face when you're like, like, hey, I want to watch this thing that I'm genuinely interested in. Cool. Watch us fucking butcher it to death in front of you. And you're like, especially in an era where like all it takes is going on YouTube and being like Resident Evil fan film. Enter. Right. Like find some kid who's already making good Resident Evil fan films and just give them the reins. There's so many of these like indie project kids out there that are passionate about this shit. I just think it's, yeah, it's ridiculous. Hollywood's never had a larger ability to research the right personnel for these things. And they just keep being like, hey, random other person who has no interest in this property. We've been waiting to give you a project for a while. Yeah. Go write us a Tomb Raider movie. It can be done. Like, I, like, I almost just, like, that's why I always tell people, I'm like, if you have an interest in these things, just do it. Start writing short stories. Start doing whatever. Like, anybody can be a director. Anybody can be a writer now. Anybody can be a game developer. It just takes a little bit of, like, effort and, like, a lot of practice, and you'll get there one day. Um... I want to go into uh, a segment that has been featured before on this channel but i think jay retro and i had a talk before we started the podcast we're gonna start making this a regular thing um and this segment is called how dare you ign how dare you (laughs) how did that girl say how dare you you? (laughs) people are dying okay i know that more like greta um so we're gonna get into this in a second here uh let me bring this up here uh should i put the volume on for this video or do you just want to narrate over top of it uh you know i'll just narrate over top of it that's fine so ign in my opinion i don't know if any of you share this opinion but i feel like they're the fucking 
they are the Netflix Resident Evil TV series of gaming news. I just find that they have so many conflicting points. They're they're so bought out, and it's just it's just a symptom of being a big fucking news outlet. And you you got to pay the bills, and you do that by suck sucking corporate dick. So if that means putting out misinformation or heavily biased articles and not acknowledging that they're heavily biased just to pay the bills and get those fucking um advertisement dollars whatever but um as a channel as a podcast we choose to not utilize their articles as much as possible because i just i'm not a fan of what they do but they released this video on youtube uh it's titled the dark pictures anthology the devil and me First look, I'm going to have it playing in the background, and Jay Retro is going to take it from here. So I'm a big Super Massive Games fan. I absolutely love pretty much everything these guys have put out since Until Dawn. Uh, if you've watched podcasts before, you probably know I was super stoked about The Quarry, which came out recently. Uh, and yeah, I was excited to watch this video when it first popped up in my YouTube feed. I was like, ooh, hands-on, new game from this team I love. This is going to be sick. And here, here's the part. So they list Man of Medan, House of Ashes, and The Quarry is what they list. And and the guy at this point is saying, hey, this is part of a series. Here are the other games that were part of the series. Um, the Quarry's not part of the series. No. And it never was. And uh, Little Hope is. So they leave out a game of the original trilogy of the Dark Pictures anthology and like report a game that is not not part of the anthology, but done by the same production house. Like it'd be the same as if they threw Until Dawn in there, which was prior to the Dark Pictures. I just find it hilarious that I'm like, this is the largest video game news publication company on the goddamn planet Mm -hmm. and all that would have taken was like a two second click on wikipedia like it's just the most basic dummy level research into the thing that you're talking about that was botched on the video which blows my goddamn mind um so how dare you is like how dare you it's not a draft like, it's not like a one-and-done type of thing. They have fucking editors and people that look over the script and look over... Like, there's there's interns that they probably have that do the fucking research. So, like, to make a mistake like that, if you're a fucking YouTube channel and you're run by yourself and you have, like, less than 100,000 followers, like, yeah, you're fine to make that kind of a boo-boo. But when you're IGN and you have a fucking staff... Like you have people that bring you fucking coffee. You should not, you should not have mistakes like that. 100%. I think like if IGN had made this mistake way back in the 90s when they were just like a little indie fucking reporting outlet, would I be giving them this much shit? No. Would I be giving Johnny YouTuber who's just exactly has like less than 100,000 subs and he's just talking about some game that he's passingly interested in to make content? No. No, I'd be like, yeah, man, we all make mistakes. I've said things that were wrong in my videos, and I own them. You know, like, whatever. That's fine. I make mistakes. But like you said, I'm a guy making YouTube videos in my spare time while I work another full-time job. Yeah. 
everyone at IGN is getting paid to get this information fucking right. And I guarantee you there wasn't just one person that worked on that project. Like the guy reading it probably isn't even the guy that wrote the script. And no. now he's on the cross for getting it wrong. It's hilarious. If you click on this video on YouTube, you go down the comments. I'm not the only person that noticed this. It's like the first four or five comments are like thousands of people upvoting it. Being like, yeah. Deleted. You're fucking stupid and you're wrong. That last I checked, they were still there. <laughs> Look at the um, first comment. There you go. Come on, dude. Likes. This wasn't hard. How many people did this have to go through? The quarry is a standalone. <laughs> Thank you. Right? The the company hasn't even made that many games. They've made like the four games in this series and the two games that aren't part of this series. It's not like you had 30 games to mix up or something like this is all being pretty fucking obvious. Yeah. With that being said, I'm excited for this game because this is the first one out of any of the dark pictures or otherwise supermassive games. So now including the quarry and until dawn. This is the first one in a while that to me sounds like they've really actually done some new shit. A lot of the games, you know, like I love the quarry, but it does play like until dawn period. Like That's there are, there are no you, like, differences to the way that found it plays. the enhancements over the years. Like as they become a bigger developer, like as they get more famous for the, these games, like, are you seeing, and I think you already answered this, more incremental improvements or more like bit by bit improvements? Are you seeing like any massive innovations in any of the games? In in a lot of them, no. And in uh, like in Manama Dan, I actually thought when I first played Manama Dan that in a number of ways they'd taken a bit of a step back. It was interesting, like when like Until Dawn being a PS4 exclusive as well. I think lent itself to some innovation that was PS4 specific. You had things on the touchpad, like you had to like strike a matchbook on your touchpad or just like, like, I don't know, you'd be looking at a notepad and you would use the touchpad to flip the pieces of paper in the person's journal or like there were just little things like that where I remember as I played until dawn, I was like, this is the best anyone has ever used the DualShock 4 controllers additional features. Um, the six axis shit, which no one used in a game like ever on the PS4. There yeah. was parts of Until Dawn where you would be hiding in like a trash can or something with a serial killer looking for you. And it would be like, don't breathe. And you would have to hold the controller perfectly still. And if you made like the slightest movement with your hands, the killer would find you and come kill you. I was like, this is so exciting. And then in Man of Medan, because it wasn't PS4 exclusive anymore, they had to find a different way to make that mechanic work. And when they first tried to make it work in Man of Medan, it was awful. It was like click at the same pace as the character's heart rate. And I would fuck it oh, up I like a hundred percent of the time. Like it actually gave me mad gamer rage during man of Madon. And I looked it up online and like, it wasn't just me. And it was people on like multiple different platforms being like, yeah, this new mini game that they've invented for this is pretty much impossible. Like I just fail it a hundred percent of the time it comes up, which is pretty important in a game like that, where yeah. like, you know, that like, you're supposed to have seven different, different endings and you're like cool now we're not going to see six of them because we can't do this <laughs> one mechanic that you yeah. put in the fucking game uh they balanced that out in the quarry but then when i played the quarry i was like it's almost too easy 
like the new mechanic they, they've come up mm. with for don't breathe is pretty much just hold the a button down until we give you the signal to not hold the a button down and i'm like i can't imagine anyone failing this ever so they've never hit the right balance with that mechanic mm. ever since moving away from a controller that allowed them to be like just don't move it yeah and i just i haven't found a smart way for them to do that in a game yet but this one is the first one that's talking about new exploration mechanics, new ways to interact with the game, right? And I'm like, holy shit, it's about time. Because, like, I fly their flag high as a developer. And I think these are some of the most interesting and enjoyable horror experiences I've ever gotten out of video games as a medium. But yes, they've been treading water as a developer for a while, in my opinion, as far as pushing that envelope. Like they kind of just were like, until Dawn was really successful, let's make a bunch of games that are the same. And that's what they've done. And so, yeah, I really hope with this one, it sounds like they're trying to push the envelope with this one. I also thought it was interesting that this one apparently has like a seven plus hour storyline. Because that sounds like even longer than the quarry, I'm pretty sure. And one of the thing about this anthology is that they've all been shorter games. And I thought that was the whole point of the Dark Pictures anthology was that they were all like kind of mini games almost in the sense that they only took maybe like 90 minutes to finish the whole adventure versus like the five or six hours that until dawn or the quarry might give you yeah uh, to, to me that indicates that there's a very good chance this is the finale of the dark pictures and that they might just move on now but and maybe like they made their initial game engine and they just like tooled it and they just like refined it for the previous gen so like ps4 xbox one era and then maybe the games that have just recently come out, so uh, The Quarry being one of them, and then House of Ashes is kind of like the tail end of what they could do uh, with that uh, game engine. And then now they're pivoting to something new where maybe they're really putting in some R&D to retool it with the success that they've had with their last games, and that's how they're able to push it that bit further. But yeah, like that's cool. Like I'm excited for you because I know you're really into these games. But again... um. Warawana was some big brain uh, conspiracy theory tinfoil hat shit here. I wonder if 4000 IQ 40 chess thinking IGN does this because it causes more interaction. Wow. That's a play too because controversy fucking grows numbers. Like, uh, you're right, man. What I've discovered is if you have a logical, sensible take on anything, you're not you're gonna fucking bomb like you're gonna like you'll have a few people that'll be like yeah but like if you have a fucking hot take if you just like for controversy's sake just like go so deep on one end of the spectrum you will get all the people that are kind of like on like that end or like like teetering that way and then you'll get all the people that are like fuck you no it's not and you get all of that engagement so uh that's uh that's a really that's a really big uh big one. Big brain. Big brain theory. I like it. I like it. Can you and then now he's getting mad because we haven't read out this other comment. We're getting to it. We we had our own points. Can you hold it longer so you pass out? He's talking about when you just held the button for the breathing I don't, part. You don't I don't know. It was really weird. Like I never fucked it up, so I don't even know what happens if you fuck it up. Like I don't know if anything bad happens if I hold it too long. 
but I also don't know if anything bad happens if I don't. Like, I, I assume things happen if I don't, but it would just be like, hold this button until we give you the indication that the terror has passed or whatever. And I, yeah. I just never found it hard to realize when the prompt was where I was like, eh? You've never been like, I'm, I'm going to fuck this guy's day up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just like, not hold once. It. Once. But dude, honestly, like when I played through the quarry, I made every decision right the entire fucking game practically. Like, I think I had one character die. And then I got to the end and I was like, this is great. I'm going to finish the game. Only one character died. And it was like, okay, door number one or door number two, though. And I was like, what about door number two? And they were like, you fucked up. Everyone dies. Terrible ending. And so yeah. I, I I loved that. I thought that was great. That like they, they just at the last second were like, you've done really good. Only one person's dead so far. You're having a great playthrough. Do you do this one thing or not, though? And I was like, uh, not. And they were like, that was a bad call. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow. All fuck. dead. Now, <laughs> yeah, all dead. Everyone dies. You suck at this game. And I was like, oh, shit. I thought I was doing well. So it, <laughs> ma- it makes me want to go back and play it again. I actually it's like that. it's like deleting data on disk. It's like you suck at this game. And then it like fucks the disk up so you can never play the game ever again. That would be so it's savage. It's scratch to shit. Like, yeah. That would be savage. Uh, that would be it. so sweet if someone could make a mechanic like that in their game that would self-sabotage and make it so you can never play it again. They'd get so many complaints. Uh, speaking of that, I want to go into something that I think we should do a little bit more often um, when we get the tail end of the month podcast or the last podcast of the month. Uh, we want to talk about our game of the month. And I think this is something really important. Um J Retro, uh, if you could, I'll go over mine. Just text me yours, and then I'll bring up uh, a video for it so you can uh, have that playing while you talk about yours. Um, Perfect. Okay, I'm going to take two minutes while you get into yours, and then I'll text you. Yeah, yeah. Um, All right, so obviously my game of the month is going to be Rollerdrome. So some of you might have thought that it would be where was this? I'm going to bring this video over. How do I make it so I can? Yeah, there we go. I'll put it there. Boom. Uh, Roller drone. Uh, some people thought it might. I would have picked Timesia, but Timesia is cool. But it's something that I've already done before. Oh, I can't make it full screen, which is such a pain. It's got to be this small little window. I'm sorry, everybody who's watching on a phone who can't see shit. This is the Roller Drone page on Steam. Roller Drone was one of those games where when I saw it at, I think it was one of the the Let's Play events or whatever, or maybe it was at Gamescom uh, or Summer Game Fest. But you just like look at it and you're like, that's a stupid looking game. And... Now, like, I was like, no, this looks cool. This There's something about this that looks fun. And I get it. A lot of people aren't into, like, the cell shading um, kind of art style. I get it. Like, if you do not connect with an art style, you won't connect with the game. It just, it just won't click with you. But this game looked really cool to me. So I picked it up on launch day. I've been playing it. It's fucking rad. It's just a good, fun game. It's not a game that you could probably sink a lot of time into. I find is a, I find it as a good B game. So a game where uh, you have your main game, and then maybe you need a little bit of a bit of a break from that, and then so you step away from that, and then you play Roller Drome. And Roller Drome is just a fun game that you can boot up, quickly get into a, a level, and then just fucking 
do some sick moves while you shoot people. And it's just, it's just a good time. And the fact that it's like, it's pretty inexpensive for games uh, these days. It's $39.99 uh, Canadian for uh, the Steam version. I picked it up on PS PlayStation for my PS5. I think I got it for $26. Uh, but still, $40 bucks, uh, in Canadian dollars is um, not a lot when you're asking for games. But I definitely recommend this one. Um huge recommendation if you're just like into a quick game that is just like fun doesn't have to be complicated story it's just you're rollerblading it's basically the running man but on roller skates it's fucking sick like and then they just swapped out arnold schwarzenegger for uh what's her name something hassan it's like carol hassan or something like that but who cares it's it's rad it's just it's just a really cool game uh, but that is Roller Drome, everybody. Um, definitely, that is my game of the month. Wins over uh, Tynesia. That's it, man. I'm definitely going to check that game out. I was pretty excited about it when I saw the original trailers for it. Definitely looks like a blast. I got to bring up your game here. But uh, but yeah, like there were some, there were some pretty big uh, games that well, there were some good games that came out in August. Like I don't think it is Bindu. I'm gonna check now. It's Roller Drum on Switch. I it is not. So. It is a PlayStation console exclusive, meaning it's only on that console, but it's available on Steam. <clears throat> Which I know, bummer. Uh, there is an app called Moonlight App, and there is definitely YouTube videos of a guy playing Roller Drome on a Switch Lite. So I think there are hacky ways to play Roller Drome on your Switch, but there are no official ways. <clears throat> All right. Um... Yeah, that game does look fucking sick. I think this will be a good video for it. But, cool. um,. I don't know, like, I like those random fun games just, like, out of nowhere that know what they are, know what they aren't, and just, like, get to the point right away. Um, I think they're I think they're good times. But, uh, yeah, I was really surprised that that took over Timesia. I was actually not looking forward to Timesia, and that was actually a surprise, but Roller Dome took the cake. Did Stray come out in August, or did Stray come out in July? I think it technically came out in July. I almost did as Dusk Falls for my game and then realized it was technically a July release. And I was like, oh, yeah, shit. So that was on Game Pass had, in July. Oh, yeah, it was. Because I remember like one day it was just there. Like I remember late July, I think, because it, it came out like pretty much at the same time as the quarry. But then I had to like beat the quarry to go play that next. But well, Bindu is on PS4 as well. So you could you could play it there. But um, yeah, weren't we definitely when as Dusk Falls, like, they didn't they just, they showed it at the Xbox event and we felt like, oh, that's just one of the games that's coming out in the future sometime. And then it was just like, yeah, oh, gave, no, it's I here now. zero shits. And yeah, exactly. Like a, a it came out way faster than I expected it to. And B, even as someone who likes these narrative choose your own adventure games, I looked at the graphical style of it and stuff, and I entirely dismissed it at the time. I was like, that just looks like a shitty version of the quarry. Like, that just looks like something that would be <laughs> such a B release game. And <clears throat> I plowed through it faster than I did the quarry because I was like, I need to know how this story ends. And of course, I've only seen one way the story can end and i'm already playing through it again so yeah like huge 
huge shout outs to As Dust Falls for massively surpassing my expectations. But it could not be my game of the month as it was technically released in July. And as such, my game of the month for you folks at home, speaking of games that were kind of sleeper hits and just know what they are and just know how to be a fun experience. Two Point Campus, guys, is on Game Pass. Now, when I first got Game Pass, uh, one of the games that I got really sucked into was actually Two Point Hospital. So if you don't know, the Two Point series is a series of these simulation games where you design, in, in the case of Two Point Hospital, a hospital. In the case of this, a university campus. I think they've done other ones, but don't quote me. But they all have this fun sense of humor to them sort of like the sims where there's just this this kind of adorable little kitschy sense of humor to the universe that they've developed the hospital game was something i downloaded being like i have an xbox in my bedroom maybe i will play this for 10 minutes before i go to bed each night as just like an easy click on things mindless game Uh, And I got so goddamn sucked into it that for like the first couple months I owned my Xbox One S, I think the main game I played was Two Point Hospital. Um, They've recently removed Two Point Hospital. Two Point Campus has taken its place on Game Pass. So for those of you that still want your hospital kicks, you will have to pay for them now. Uh, But yeah, I just I can't suggest this series enough. I do think that it's most at home on PC. So if you have Game Pass on PC, I definitely think this is a game that you should play on a mouse and keyboard if you can. But it was remarkably accessible on a controller as well. And I've played both the hospital and the campus version on controller to some degree. And yeah, much easier to control on a console than I original thought going in. Um, I, I just I can't get enough of these games. If you loved Roller Coaster Tycoon back in the day. Like, this is for you. It's that it's that kind of enjoyment. I used to get sucked into just spending entire evenings just working on my theme parks and roller coaster tycoon. I love these sort of little simulation, build your own park or build your own campus or whatever style games. And yeah, I just think these two point games, there's so much fun humor in them. I'm really interested to see more of how they adapt that humor to a university campus because the hospital was hilarious. Like just the, the particular diseases and things that people could have and the ways that you would have to cure them were all quite cartoony and comical and over the top. And so, yeah, I expect the, the campus game to have a ton of hilarious humor about that as well, but definitely you enjoy strategy games, you enjoy these point and click kind of build a theme park style games. I think you'll have a complete blast with this one. So I can't suggest it enough. And if you are on Game Pass, it's free. So what are you doing? Go play (laughs) it right now. That's what I like about this show is that Jay Retro and I have very different tastes. And a game like that, I would not touch with a 10 foot pole, but I definitely understand a lot of people exactly. Like if you're in the Sims Roller Coaster Tycoon, Tons of fun, and it's cool that that's a game that's on Game Pass that uh, a lot of people have access to. Um, we're going to get into our final segment for the night, and it's uh, your fan favorite, and it is Instagram version, What Would You Rather? So make sure that you are following us on Instagram. So it is Update Required Official. 
and we <clears throat> post a story before on the day that we have the podcast uh, where you can submit your what would you rather. So let's go through these right now. Oh, there's not that many. Shame on you, everybody. How dare you? Um, okay, first one. We would rather you submit more what would you rather. So <laughs> yeah. Okay, first one. Uh, what would you rather? Drink one liter of very expired milk or this is directed at me, I guess, or <laughs> have to help your parents 100% Elden Ring. No breaks. Uh, I would take the milk. Easy. Just- I, uh god um for you have to help your parents 100 halo infinite okay i was gonna say because like i'm sitting here being like man like it's gonna take me forever to figure out how to 100 elden ring on my own yeah that's that's a tough challenge uh yeah i feel i feel like i'd take the 100 percenting halo infinite really yeah, I just I, I, I'm I really have too. an aversion to yeah, just like this. The, when I have to take milk that's slightly expired and pour it down the sink, I gag like just rotten dairy in particular is gnarly. Like, especially it's, if I had oh, to God. chew on some of it, too. Like, ugh. I know, like it gets all lumpy. I don't think I could do it, man. I, don't think, I, don't I would just I like, no, no, like having like just just the thought of walking my parentals through some of those bosses like mm, no nope i would be there forever wow um wow. all right next one <laughs> okay you have an uncle called jack who owns horses what okay. would you rather help him off or on the horse if he was struggling what okay so uh, what would you rather so he, so he owns horses yeah and i guess i guess the question is would you like if he was struggling to get on would you prefer that to struggling to get off off on is terrible like what like you gotta like push his ass up on there i agree yeah maybe your thumb goes up in there you goose yeah. him a little bit by accident maybe you tickle his taint you don't you want any of that idea and you're like yeah, no I think- I think off you can kind of just sit there like this with your hands out like wrestlers do when someone's jumping off the top. Yeah, rope. you just be you, like, just yeah. just lean off the horse and then fall into my arms and I'll catch you. Yeah, just uh, that's fine. Just anywhere in this general vicinity. Yeah. I agree. Off the horse. <laughs> Definitely off the horse. OK, what would you rather train on line one? What train on line one? Five people stuck on line one. And one person on line two. What? Only you can switch lines by pulling a lever. What would you do? Oh, this is a philosophical question. It's about killing people, right? So there's people on the train tracks and like, would you switch the train tracks? Oh, okay. Train on line one. Five people stuck on line one and one person on line two. You only switch lanes by pulling a lever. I'd kill the five people. Wow. Darkest answer possible. That's five less people to potentially write on season two of fucking Resident Evil. So, okay. So to, to boost this up as a guy that did take philosophy in university, uh, you have five people on the first train. Yeah. Uh, on the second train, you have one person, but he's a leading cancer researcher. 
right? That's yeah. more what they would normally give you in philosophy. Cause like, otherwise the answer for most sane people that aren't like James and don't just want to see people suffer would be like, well, obviously I save five lives over saving one life because that just, that just seems like what you would do. But then when it becomes a challenging question is when you give that one life, some sort of special significance. Yeah. And you ask like a really patriotic American, like, okay, a president is on this train, but just the president. And then all of your friends and family are on the other train. And you ask like a mega guy and he's like, well, I got to save Trump. But I love my wife and kids, yeah. and its head just explodes. There's always another president. Um, but uh, I like I like your scenario where it's like the leading cancer researcher is on the other train, yeah. and it's just like sometimes research goes nowhere. People, <laughs> that's just it, right? And so, like, that's what I think. You have to have a gray area. I couldn't just be like the guy who's going to cure cancer because then once again the answer would become obvious, yeah. and you'd be like, "Well, I cure cancer." But then now you have to to be like, oh, I don't know, is saving five lives in the immediate sense that I know I saved five versus one better? Or is it better to save one life in the hopes that this motherfucker cures cancer? <laughs> I don't know. Now I'm really torn, right? Like You're like following up with them like every two weeks. Well, <laughs> You know what how this results? is actually done? The, the usual example of this that I have heard is actually that you are in you know, the the rainforest in a foreign country somewhere, mm -hmm. and you are going through there as, you know, a scientist or whatever, doing some research, and you get captured by some insurgents, mm -hmm. some terrorist ma'effas with some AK-47s, and they bring you to a field, and they're like, okay, James, we're going to gun down this entire village of innocent people, or you can take this gun and shoot this one innocent guy in the head. Mm -hmm. That's what I've heard a lot of times, right? And so, like, what that's really like is it is it worse to kill the guy yourself, or and like, would you walk away from it being like, well, it's not my fault that that whole village died. You guys killed them. You're the terrorists. Mm -hmm. Or would you be like, yeah, it's I guess it's better for me to take this on the chin and kill Daryl here so that all these people can live, right? Like, I think. That's the trick is you have to have a question with enough gray area that it would tear most people. That's always right? a good what would you rather when they're both equally awful and one that's, is just that's the trick. slightly le like less or more. And then that's yeah, because like no matter what you choose there, you're walking out of that having to live with some dark shit. Yeah, right. You're like, I either blew this innocent man brains out myself. And who's to say or that those insurgents don't just like lie to you and be like, oh, we're still going to kill all these people. Now you killed somebody, too, which is also totally part of the question. Yeah. Right. It's like can you even trust them i think usually it's framed in philosophy class that it'll be like yes they will stick to their word because that makes it easier to process but i agree in a real world scenario that would be the other question you'd be act asking yourself you're like you guys are terrorists you just held me at gunpoint how do i know you're gonna stick to your word if i kill daryl me like, because of my six sets of humor i'd be like can i do two and they're just like no you just have to do the one i know that but can I do another one just for shit? Like if I kill Daryl, can I still help shoot the other people? And they're like, we're going to shoot you now. You're fucked. Yeah, you don't you're, belong you're on this the, earth. We picked yeah. the wrong tourist to fucking do this <laughs> with. Like, fuck. Um, <laughs> all right. It got a little dark, but uh, next one. Uh, what would you rather? Oh, this is a good one. Uh, what would you rather 
Metallica or Megadeth? So let's put it in a realm of whatever one you don't pick, the other one ceases to exist. Yeah, I agree. It has to be only one exists on the planet. Um, Wow, that's challenging. It's really challenging. And you can't do the whole like, well, without Dave Mustaine, there would be no no Metallica. No, you can't do that. It's just like, just shut up. Well, I I think think one of the questions that does come from this is that if you pick Metallica, is Dave Mustaine still in Metallica forever? Or did they still kick him out and he just didn't start Megadeth? Correct. He he got kicked out and he works at a fucking Arby's now. Yeah, he just like, (laughs) yeah. Cheese, cheese sauce, roast beef bun. That's Dave Mustaine. Yeah, all day now. Sad, sad <laughs> no, life. No, uh, he was then um, later picked up by insurgents. <laughs> and then, yeah, no, okay. Shoot Dave Mustaine or shoot all of Metallica. I think okay, this is really challenging for me, and this is a personal thing. I would pick Metallica, and I would pick Metallica for two reasons, which is that number one. I heard Metallica first and they helped me get into what I would call proper metal. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of people, Metallica is that gateway drug yep. to like actual metal. I was into corn and Limp Biscuit and Rage Against the Machine and all the stuff that you would be in 1998 if you were into heavy music that pissed your parents off. And Metallica was that first band that made me be like, maybe I should go back and maybe I should start listening to some of this shit from the eighties and like old heavy music. And so I give Metallica a ton of credit for my own like musical development. I don't know Mm -hmm. if I would have ended up listening to Slayer or Anthrax or any of those other bands without Metallica. Um, And it's tough because I would say these days I probably listen to Megadeth more. Yeah. I probably throw Megadeth on way more often then I throw Metallica on, but those songs had a huge influence on me as a young kid growing up and getting me into metal. And I would also say lyrically, I do prefer James Hetfield as a lyricist Yeah, when it's just him writing the lyrics, which is all their good albums, right? Yeah. Like ignoring I, the experiment that was St. Anger. I agree. Like as a guitar player, like I do like a lot of Megadeth's riffs, but uh, as a listener, I just feel like Metallica just has way more bangers. And I'm not saying that Megadeth has no bangers. I'm just saying that Metallica has way more memorable songs. Like, their early catalog, uh, like, every song off those albums is a fucking hit. And uh, I do feel that Megadeth got better as they got older. And I feel like more of the recent albums are better than a lot of the earlier albums. But I just, yeah, I just, Metallica. I agree. Some of Megadeth's recent materials being some of their best output ever. And yeah. I think that's an interesting thing to note, right? They, that they had very different trajectories as bands where mm-hmm. Megadeth has kind of only gone up with a couple short bumps in the road. Yeah. Whereas Metallica, like most people acknowledge, went pretty drastically down after the Black Album and then kind of recovered with Death Magnetic. And then the last album was kind of underwhelming. Um, so yeah, I, I totally agree, but I think, yeah, it's like, if you go to a Metallica concert, you're like banger, 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 because they're playing the hits off of all of those big records they had. And as much as I love Megadeth and love Dave Mustaine, 
And I think Megadeth is that band that like musicians tend to side with because like we're guitar players and Megadeth involves, frankly, a lot more guitar wankery than yeah. Metallica does. 100%. So I think a lot of hardcore metal fans actually like almost like take it as a feather in their cap that they prefer the band that is less accessible. Right. They're like, no, yeah. it's good that less people like Megadeth. That's how you know it's more metal. Right. And Warmer I'm like, no, in like the a- chat says you can yeah. only Megadeth once. <laughs> yeah. Nice one. I, I like that. I like that quite a bit, actually. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love Megadeth to, like, to death, haha, <laughs> to Megadeth. Uh, they're a fantastic band. But Metallica is, there's, the, there's a large reason why your grandmother knows who Metallica is and has no fucking idea who Megadeth is. Correct. Um, Okay, last one. Uh, What would you rather? This one is not like, this is just like a a just general question. There's no like real gross downside. Um, What would you rather? Travel all over the world, but never game, but you get to travel the world. Mm. Or... Get first-class tickets to TwitchCon or ComicCon or any of those gaming events whenever they come up. <clears throat> and you still um, get the game. Man, that's challenging. Uh, where do these TwitchCons and things normally happen? They're usually in like California. But like a lot I of them, but, right. there's, but there's ComicCons in like Europe and stuff and like Australia. Yep. So I would choose the the gaming option. Yeah. But I think this is also heavily influenced by the fact that I was pretty lucky as a kid as far as travel. So, like, I was lucky to grow up in a family where my parents were well off enough to take us on family vacations and stuff. And also my dad was from Europe. So I've been to Europe a couple of times and, like, visited a handful of European countries. I think if I was like, I've known lots of people who are like, bro, I've never left Canada or I've never left B.C. or I've never even left Vancouver Island. Yeah. I've known people who have never left the island. They've never even just taken a two-hour boat ride to watch a Canucks game or something. If I was one of those people, I'd be like, fuck video games forever <laughs> yeah. if you can get me on a plane the hell out of here. Yeah. Because I can't I can't imagine. But as somebody who has been privileged enough to do a decent amount of traveling in my, you know, middle age at this point already, I enjoy gaming enough as a hobby. And this theory also involves me still traveling somewhat, right? And like, yeah. at least to places that are pretty cool. I'm like, I like California. If every vacation I took for the rest of my life was to California, I wouldn't be that mad. That's it's one of the nicer places. I did that I mean. pre-Pandy. Was that that was where I used to go? Like every three months. Like I love, I love California. Um, there you go. I thought that I would choose the same, but I am almost wanting to travel the world because, like. I, like we've gone to metal shows and I love watching live music, but at the same time, um, I fucking hate the metal audience. Like I hate a lot of the people that go to those shows. Like they're, they're exactly what you think. A lot of the times they are cookie cutter. They are like big, smelly, unwashed, unkempt dudes that want to stir up shit and get you in the mosh pit when you are in your mid-30s and you want to wear your earplugs and sip your drink. And you don't want to do that. And it's a fucking huge pain in the ass. And I've never gone to a gaming event. I would like to go. 
maybe a TwitchCon is in our future or something like that. I would love to go and then see what it's like to be amongst other gamers and then be like, do I hate this? Or like, could I be into this? I don't know. But I think right now I'd pick Travel the World. So right now, speaking of traveling the world, and I'll end on this note because I got nothing else to contribute here. <laughs> but for a long time, me and Dave have been talking about wanting to go to Wacken in Germany, which for those of you that aren't metalheads, is like the biggest metal festival in the world, basically. But there's a shit ton of these European metal festivals. And this year I came to the conclusion that what I need to do is go to brutal assault in the Czech Republic while my dad is still alive. And we need to organize a trip where we all go to the Czech Republic with my dad. And then he can just fuck off for three days and we can go to brutal assault and then meet back up with my dad and continue to do fun Czech tourist things for another three or four days. Because that's actually probably the most realistic way for me to get to one of these European metal festivals. Because my dad does from time to time go spend a week back at home and stuff. Like even with his mom being passed away, I'll just go visit his old Czech buddies or whatever. Right. And I was like, shit, I think Wacken's the wrong one for me to try to go to. I think we need to go to brutal assault in the Czech Republic. So I would, now you know, I would rather, uh, drink four liters of rotten spoiled milk than go to Wacken. And here's why. Wow. Uh, I would love the music of Wacken, but it's an outdoor festival. Uh, and like if you've seen where you have to stay or like where you have to set up your tent, it is fucking atrocious. And I've been to an outdoor festival before and it was fun when I was in my early 20s. I was I think I was like 19 or 20 and that was a good time to go. But now that I'm in my mid 30s, like I have certain things that I need. Like I need a proper bed. I need and like I'm sure I could like acquire those or bring that shit with me. But like. There isn't proper facilities to, like go to the bathroom in. It's a fucking gong show. Uh no. Hard pass. If like if I could be flown in on a helicopter and then just like come and watch the show and then at the end of the night like leave and go to a hotel, hell yeah. Or like even drive to the show. If that's possible, I would go. But I would if anything, we just need more one day festivals. Because that I was would, what was so nice about Ozfest. Yeah. Right. Like as a kid, I went to Ozfest twice and I was like, Yeah, it's great. You show up at like eight or nine in the morning and bands mm-hmm. are already playing and it goes till like two AM, but then you just go back to your hotel and sleep yeah. and go home the next day. And that's a lot of bands. Like you would see like thirty goddamn bands in one day practically, because they have a lot of them playing really short sets too, where they yeah. just like get up there, play four songs and leave. And I still think that's almost like a better setup than a two or three day festival. I agree that one of the most daunting aspects of going to whack and to me was always that we would probably have to camp and that 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 would be a shit show yeah uh but i still think even at 36 that i like metal enough that i'd do it like if i could get the time off work and i had the money and i could go to whack and i would rough it in the field with the fucking heathens and do some weird german ecstasy like i'd be like (laughs) sure yeah let's fucking go like because i mean i don't know to me it's just one of those bucket list things right 
Good for you. I think you should make that happen, but I would do the other one with you easily. Like I would just go to Europe, have fun, and then like go to like a one day festival and just like fucking rock out. I don't even know if Brutal Assault is more than one day. That's actually a really good question. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I really want to go to it now that I know that that's the one that happens in my dad's homeland. Like I just think that would be so much easier to see. But dude. Brutal Assault in 2022 was a five-day-long festival yep. in the Czech Republic. Nope. Insane. Nope. <laughs> With that Again, being said, I think another thing to consider is that you don't have to go to all five fucking days. right? Like too? You can buy tickets to like a day of whacking. So you yeah. could just go on the day when the bands you cared most about were headlining. Or That's true. But also, yeah. again... There probably is options to like stay in some kind of hotel that's nearby and you just take a shuttle to the show. And that was the other comment I was going to bring yeah. up because I've been to the Czech Republic and I know how small most of those fucking towns are. Yeah. And I guarantee you like there will be like a couple little villages near to brutal assault where you would just be like, yeah, like we're going to get into the hotel late every night and we're going to miss some of the bands that are playing early in the morning. But there's literally, according to their Facebook page, 150 bands and five stages over five days. So I guarantee you the bands playing early in the morning are ones you don't give that much of a shit about. Yeah. You just like wake up at your hotel in Europe yeah. or like whatever, like the big ones always headline. We'd have our little continental breakfast with our hard-boiled eggs and our fucking little meat European sandwiches with some fucking klebichkis. <laughs> and then we'd fucking, you know, catch the tram or whatever. in while I was over there. There <laughs> you go, man. Let's do it. We'll smoke weird Czech cigarettes. Yeah. I'm that, into it. That'd be sick. Um, that That's all we have uh, for tonight. Uh, Jay Retro, where can the good people find you? You can find me over on Instagram at jfree86, and you can find me on the YouTubes at the youtube.com slash jretro. And Jimmy, where can they find you these days? Uh, yeah, great question. Uh, you can find me on YouTube. I'm at youtube.com forward I just released a new video today. It is my part two of my playthrough of Timesia, where I get my cheeks clapped aggressively. I should have put in a disclaimer that like, I have indeed platinumed all the Souls games. Uh, I'm, I, I swear to God, I still game. Uh, this just caught me off guard. Um, but I got a lot of content coming out. I still have like three videos that I haven't edited yet, and they're my, um, they're just like my analysis of game trailers that have come out. I've done two already. One was for Lies of P, and one was for Forspoken. And people are hating my takes on those games. Uh, those videos are getting ratioed as fuck, but I don't care. It generates clicks and I get the views and you're paying me anyway. So I don't give a shit. But um, yeah, so make sure you follow me there. And then also on Twitter, twitter.com for slash Fornitron. Hey, man, fuck you for having opinions. You know, it's, <laughs> I can't believe you would try to do that. That's the thing, man. Complete, Just have a hot opinion about anything like fuck whacking. <laughs> <laughs> fuck whacking fuck camping i'm out you can also find jimmy in the dictionary under the word hunk for those of you who don't <laughs> thank know. you hunk hunk of asshole shit 
for just like wanting to kill five people on a train. <laughs> Hunk of garbage who cannot fucking play this game. He clearly has no platinums on any Souls games. <laughs> Those platinums are a lie. He got his mom to do it for him. That's why he didn't answer that question earlier because it was actually my mom who platinum. That's right. People are like, I saw his Tamaria playthrough and he, he does not have any platinums. He is a loser. <laughs> uh, zero zero platinums everybody uh that's it for us everybody uh baba booey have a good night thanks everyone for being here have a good one guys peace